Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts, Keith Barney. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. I guess I'm ready. You'll log in tow. Out of practice. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, a podcast that continues to talk about David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. Can you believe we are all the way up to season five, episode 14, entitled The Day After... And uh, it's been explosive on the practice lately. How is life? Is life also exploding? Yes, and I can't wait to share. This is a little bit of an actual true crime, uh, not even back in time. We only have to go back a few hours. What did you commit? <clears throat> Nothing. So uh, it's been pretty tranquil here in Pennsylvania in our little development since, it's, as I've mentioned, uh, we unwittingly but sort of wittingly moved into a 55, 65, and up community. <laughs> Which is great. Yeah, so last night, we've been we've been having an de internal debate because we're not very loud people, but on occasion, we've been hearing a little bit of banging from next door, like adjacent to our apartment. And I'm like, okay. there's just no way we're being so loud that they're giving us the old dunk, 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 you know, like the... Uh, the, old, the old broom hitting the uh, hitting Yeah, the well, basically, it, that's just trigger from, from the New York days. Right. So anyway, last night we're hearing it again, and it's like loud. And then we hear screaming, like somebody saying, let me in, let me oh, in. Fuck. And it was real close. Like it was clearly the people next door. And we're like, Ugh. and then next thing I know, Keith, there are three police cars that show up and three fire trucks. And Ooh, we're like, what the hell? It's not good when there's both. No, so in the New York days, I'd throw my shoes on, walk right out, and be like, what the hell's going on? Because I'm a nosy son of a bitch. Sure, but here, sure. it's a little different vibe, so we, we shut the lights off, and we what? open the bedroom windows, <laughs> and we just were eavesdropping. Uh, oh, I and, see. I, I thought you were like going to pretend that you weren't there, but no. it was really just to facilitate spying yes. on folks. Yes, and uh, we really haven't uncovered it. Here's, here's the facts as we know them. There was uh, that man yelling, and then subsequent to that, when the police and the fire arrove arrived, the there was this woman outside in her skivvies, weeping uncontrollably. Oof. Uh, they brought out a suitcase. A few firemen went in. A few firemen came out, and in twenty minutes, everybody left. So we sort of ruled out. Uh, I wouldn't be so flippant had we had I if I was to assume someone had passed away. That would be pretty 
<laughs> right. Pretty shitty of me. Uh, I think it was just a straight up domestic or something. Yikes. So, yeah, uh, it's it it's so funny like how privileged we are to be so like upset about stuff something like that because that happens all the time, and it's mm-hmm. like oh my god, it's it's. That's, well, speaking uh, of privilege, like yeah. generally speaking, in the city or in most places, I should say, you call nine one one for something like that, you're lucky if anybody shows up. Here, right. three cop cars and three full fire engines, like that's. That is the whole Calvary showed up. Yeah, seriously. Well, I mean, I'm glad. I mean, that's that's good. That is something to be taken seriously. That's true. And uh, uh, well, let's it. let's let's flip the tables, Keith. When, yeah. if, how, will, do, are you moving? Do you have a house? Oh what my lord! We need to know. Yes. Well. I forget where exactly we were in the process last week, but I have a feeling it was probably similar to where we were this week. Um, we uh, at The continuing saga has continued. Uh, if you have been listening ahead of time, you knew that uh, my wife and I were buying a house and it got delayed a thousand times. But the last delay was because one of the sellers, uh, their grandfather, away. who was still on the deed, had passed away. And so we were waiting for the from the from for paperwork from the town and they were like, it's going to be forever because of COVID. Um, and uh, we got news last week that it was going to come last week. It hasn't yet. It was supposed to come Friday. We're hoping it's going to come today and uh, finalize everything. But we look like we will be closing next week. So unfortunately, not before the holiday, but probably the Tuesday after the holiday, we should be closing and moving, assuming nothing else goes wrong, which of course, at this point, I assume everything will go wrong. Yeah, that's a tough assumption. Because right now we're like, we're inventing new things to go wrong. Like new and exciting things are happening that have never happened before to delay this process. And uh, I mean, I think we put the offer uh, on the house in like September and it is now the end of December. (laughs) Hmm. Insane. Uh, But yeah, hopefully. Well, I have to say, I I got a little taste of where you've been for the past 12 years we've been doing this podcast. this morning, CEO Jen over coffee is asking me, I, I guess she's quite a quite a little bit behind. And she's like, so I guess Mr. Hinks has a bunch of episodes left. And I was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah see, there it is. No spoilers. Yep. No uh, spoilers. Yeah. How exciting. She, so she's just like in the beginning of Hinks, right? Yeah, but she did get to the episode where you tried to tee up a joke about uh hamster wheel remember we were talking american gladiators and right yeah she yes. found it as asinine as i did which i i appreciated i re- <laughs> look they're not all winners <laughs> they're not all winners That's we, true. you know we're, we're, we talk for like two and a half hours live on camera no editing no sleep yeah last like, week was two hours and 20 minutes which is absolutely absurd we're gonna do it better today I promise we're not. That is a promise we promise not to keep. We promise not to keep, but we will move forward with the show and uh, bring up... Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. What say you? Well, here's here's what we say. Uh, I'm going to remember again this week 
to early in the show tell you not just what you filed and subpoenaed, but how you can do it. You can reach us at Out of Practice Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can email us out of practice podcast at gmail.com and check out our blog out of practice podcast.blogspot.com. Do us a huge favor. It would really, really help if you would leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you can join the jury. It doesn't even have to be good. We have a good record thus far, but you can trash us, and even that will help us. So maybe I guess maybe if you want to trash us, you don't want to help us. Whatever it is, uh, reach out. We really appreciate it. Okay. Well, so we have a couple of things uh, to talk about. Uh, first off, our good friend and founding sponsor, Jorge Navoa, has, has done so much this week. It's mind-blowing all the things that he has done this week. Uh, he has given us both assignments, so we will be turning in our work this uh, this very episode. Spoiler alert, I'm sure Keith did better than me. <laughs> but also, he sent us, he tracked down multiple original practice scripts, including the one that Linda was about to scan for us. Uh, now now we have we have that one too. Um, which we're so excited to dive into at some point. Um, and I, I surprised Mike with this last week, but we're going to do some sort of a special episode where we can analyze uh, the script versus what actually happened. I started working, but just reading through it and watching the episode and seeing all the changes between the first draft. Yeah, I feel like if we're going to do it, draft. we need to do it right and like juxtapose some of the clips versus... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we may just... just you know, decide to take our YouTube strike and, and show the episode and the yeah. page of the script. We'll see. But uh, it's really fascinating. It's remarkable how uh, how so much of it is still contained from the first draft, but also, like, first draft also includes F-bombs, which clearly David E. Kelly just put in there for his own entertainment because he knew he was never going to make it on the show. That's uh, funny. So, so Jorge did that. Jorge also... So we a lot of people have... have heeded my call, my desperate call for help on the Gideon's Crossing crossover, uh, which is not available anywhere, uh, the episode of Gideon's Crossing. But, so we have, from Jorge, he tracked down one of the original commercials that uh, that aired teasing the episode, uh, which uh, actually- mean, I, To be fair, I tracked that down as well. You did as well, but it's your podcast. Jorge did it of his own volition. That's true. And uh, and it was an impressive find and an impressive pull. Uh, so we will definitely play that. The other thing that Jorge found was a detailed episode recap written by a blogger at that time, which will at least be able, we will be able to break down scene by scene what happens if we can't find the episode. Uh, in that journey. So we will be able to do something on that episode if we don't find uh, the actual I, video. I suppose we have to, so just to let our uh, fellow internet sleuths know, uh, Keith and I are no strangers, well, younger Keith and I, I should say, are no strangers to the darker sides of the web. You know, we we came whoa, up in whoa, the Napster let's, days. Let's make that very. Let's be very specific I'm talking, about what I'm you're talking, talking about. A, yeah, you know, like you know, stuff that falls off the back of a truck. We're talking Napster. I mean, we've been there since the beginning of. Uh, uh, yeah, we're, our younger we're selves. Talking, 
we're talking like Marvel movies, okay? We're not. Yeah, well, maybe not. I mean, I mean like knockoff uh, C movies, like Hallmark uh, Christmas. The Hallmark movies. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Anyway, so I we even tracked went down to the V, which I knew existed, but I didn't know how deep it went. The VHS Internet Archive, which I'll put right. the show notes because it's basically people uploading hundreds of thousands of hours of just like tapes they found in their house that are just like running long play and then cataloging it per minute. Oh, cool. So if you like want to find a Folgers commercial that aired for one Christmas in 1987, it may be on there. It's incredible. So in looking, searching all the tags for various actors in Gideon's Crossing, Gideon's Crossing itself, Gideon's Crossing slash the practice crossover, all kinds of searching the best you can find is one ABC promo that aired about the special one-night crossover event uh, during commercials of something else somebody was taping. So we've got right. that. Uh, but it's it's we've gone down a deep well is where I'm getting. The last thing I could come up with is we could spam actors who were in Gideon's Crossing and be like, do you have a copy of this? And like some miracle world, they would write us back. I... I, I have been told under good authority that it's probably not worth the effort. Oh, so, yeah? Okay. <laughs> but, uh, Who's the, I don't know. What well, does that even mean? Who told you that? <laughs> well, I, look, I, I, I think it was, Jorge implied that the uh, the show was not um, terrific. Okay. So, uh, so there it is. And that the, the storyline that happens is uh, a, a little bit of filler. I'll put it that way. Okay. Anyway, uh, thank you so much to to Jorge and uh, Richard because we are going to be able to do something as opposed to have a giant hole in our series. Uh, you know what I totally did? I forgot to check if we had any YouTube comments today. We did. We for sure did. I, I, I don't have them available, but uh, I can tell you that it's worth your time. In fact, as Keith's no, doing I'm on that. It. Oh, okay. oh, actually, it's, it's, it's Jorge again. Oh, but do you think? Do you think? I was just going to say that when we get to that episode, rather, you know, especially if we don't have it to watch and it sounds like it's not worth it, what will be worth it is to, we'll we'll, we'll throw on a, a TV overlay, we'll throw on some VHS squigglies, and we'll have Keith just dramatically read the recap. I think that will be, uh, I don't okay. want to say entertaining, but uh, <laughs> I'll say, eh, Good enough. Yeah, well, as is much <laughs> of what I do on this podcast, it's like cold reading. It's like, how well does Keith read? Is he literate? Can he can he speak written words as written uh, in front of him that he's never read before? Which is, uh, you know, three quarters of what I do, including right now. So on last episode, Jorge says, theory as to the head in the freezer. I don't think David E. Kelly wrote it. In as something that would wrote it in as something that would make sense for the character to do so much as to let the audience know he's dead, dead. Because as we all know, characters can always come back from the dead unless you chop off their head. That you know, that sounds like an Obama thing. Because uh, we all know characters can always come back from the dead unless you chop off their head. Or uh, as was said better by uh, Yip Harburg, not only is he nearly dead he's really quite sincerely dead sincerely dead uh yes indeed although 
yes, you're 100% right. Uh, I wish, though, that the dead head that they had used looked anything like Michael Emerson. It was clearly just one they had sitting in the warehouse at Paramount. I'm like, yeah, whatever, just turn it the other way. He's balding. Yeah, don't worry about it. Just put the face the other way. Like, well, we'll believe he's dead. So they kind of undercut their own uh, idea there. Uh, uh, real quick aside, yeah. remind me, last week's episode, and 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 even previous to that, the, the hitman that Bobby didn't hire, let's be clear. Right. The deal he struck, was he, he wasn't granted immunity, right? He just took a lesser charge? No, no, he got third degree. Okay. So he basically was a manslaughter. Wow, okay, so a man was murdered. Granted, he was a, he was a serial killer, but he was murdered right. and decapitated, and uh, the best someone will serve for that is probably like a couple Like three of years. to five. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well. Yeah, well, look, sometimes the wheels of justice uh, anyway, so Jorge continues um, about the continuing the 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 Bobby's up for murder uh, storyline. He says, "As for the verdict, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen the episode yet. If you're watching this, you've seen the episode. I agree with everything you said about the verdict. But if you strip away everything we know as viewers and look at the case strictly from a juror's point of view, you step into the courtroom and see defendant soon to be Delphi Donnell." You hear about William Hinks, what William Hinks did and was threatening to do. Then you weigh in on Alan's rap sheet. The idea of telling eight month for eight month pregnant Lindsay, sorry you're raising your baby on your own because of some dumb law. Yeah, pretty sure if I were on that jury, I would have nullified the shit out of those charges. Note, I actually think the felony murder rule is beyond fascinating. However, most people I've mentioned to it had no idea it exists. Mentioned it too, had no idea it exists and usually don't agree with it. Yeah, I you know, I actually agree with you. I think the felony murder uh law is kind of ridiculous and is it, there are ways in which I think it makes sense to apply, but it feels like something rife with the opportunity for abuse. So, you know, my my feeling that he would be found guilty or that I would find him guilty is really only from the perspective of the letter of the law, not necessarily judging whether I agree with the law itself. Actually, while I've I've had the week to kind of mull on it, and I have because I be, just because I'm chewing like where does Bobby sit with me right now? Mm. Like I, 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 it's his whole character is soon to be Delphi Donald. Yeah, I have a weird I have a weird taste in my mouth about it, uh, and I think for me it's it's that they chose in order okay in order to make us more sympathetic to Bobby, they they chose to really focus more on how the prosecution was trying to stick it to him for other reasons, right. rather than what Jorge highlights. If they had focused on pushing a case of uh, jury nullification, I'm protecting my soon-to-be, or my pregnant wife, um, we're focusing on the serial killer aspect, we're focusing on the other guy's rap sheet, right. all of the things Jorge highlighted, I would have been much more uh, at ease with the way the jury went. And yeah. I'm sure that in the metaverse of the show, they did push that case more than we saw, but I just felt like the highlight, where what they chose to present to us was a little bit blurry. Yeah, well, I, I think there was, uh, it was, I think you're absolutely right, because you had the angle of what I was saying a couple episodes ago about the like, defense of others' defense. But also, the other thing you could argue is the injustice, 
the unfairness of that law itself. If you want to make the episode right. about whether or not the felony murder law is a just law, that's also more interesting than sort of what they did. Uh, oh, so Phoenix, moderator Phoenix, joins in and says, Jorge, absolutely. Keith is so certain that 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 they would have convicted because technically he was guilty of breaking this weird law that basically says, since you told one guy to intimidate another guy, you're guilty of murder because you started a chain of dominoes. You're right. No jury would convict because of some technicality they've never heard of. One of the side benefits of having a jury of people who aren't normally part of the legal system is that they won't fixate on legal minutia when it would interfere with justice. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Although, you know, my experience as a juror, you are specifically told to fixate on the legal minutia. That is sort of your job as a juror, but you're also right that part, the other part of your job is to sort of ensure justice. Uh, yeah, interesting discussion. And I, I wish that they'd had more of it on the show. Yeah, we've talked about, we talked about this ad nauseum in the jury nullification one of the first times it popped up, but it's still, it still, uh, sticks out to me, I should say, that they're so specific in, in jury trials that here's the laws you need to be, uh, judging this case against. And at times they'll say, well, forget you saw that, forget you heard this, do right, not let that right. enter your mind. When in reality, no human being can do that, right? We're not robots that you can just extract information. And so, you know, well, and I guess I guess that's checked by the fact that judges can nullify certain or override certain uh, right. uh, convictions or or sentences. So... I guess the checks and balances continue. Look, we're living through a bunch of checks and balances in the court system as we speak, you know, not to get into it, but just to say, you know, for a while and, and the way we live right now, people like to refute facts by presenting their own non-facts and just citing Alternative them as- facts. And we're seeing that the judicial system and look, they, it is filled with flawed individuals, as we've seen on the show, as we've seen in real life. On both sides of the aisle, there are flawed people wearing robes. But that said, that's the last line of defense from some really sh weird, shitty stuff happening. And so, uh, you know, Kittleson might be crossing out the eyes of people left and right, but we still need her to do her job when she's got that robe on. Indeed. And we know how like much she likes to take that robe off. You know what I'm saying? We sh Oh, snap. All right. Well, let us continue this conversation. But let us continue this conversation 19 years ago by hopping back into the time machine. Oh, wait, no. That's not true. We not have a segment I don't have a bumper for entitled... Can we do that first? Back in time. True crime. I didn't know what order we were doing this in, so just give me a minute. <laughs> I've got to keep talking in this voice. There keep we go. Keep talking in this voice. All right, now let me pull up the Back email with time, my notes. True Jorge, crime. Jorge did a lot of work, and I don't want to disrespect it. Okay. Yes. Okay. Ooh, look at that. Fun. Uh, so I, you'll, I think you'll, there's a little further back in time. Uh, yeah, well, you know, 
speaking of, this has no real tie to the actual date and time where this episode aired, which is generally our the sort of way we do things. But you recall that last week we were discussing a case that revolved around who we we've come to learn as Dylan McDermott, and he was uh, at a V Day benefit for his stepmom, Eve Ensler, and we learned all about the case of his actual mother who had passed away under suspicious circumstances years ago. And uh, we're going to, a quick recap here. Days before, in an interview with, days before that V-Day benefit, uh, in a interview with the Hartford Current in Hartford, Connecticut, he spoke about his feelings towards his hometown and how he loves putting up Christmas tree with his daughters. And it brought back a lot of childhood memories, Keith. And as we've learned, that childhood and those memories is kind of scarred. And he learned how to turn internal poison into medicine, which is what he does for us week to week on the practice. Uh, during that same visit to his hometown where he did that interview, he met with the police superintendent, Michael Gugliotti. And the two went over that very scarring incident back February 5th, 1967. Now, that superintendent, uh, and they discussed the 20-year-old Diane McDermott that night that she was taken away. Now, Chief Inspector Henry Burns was the lead investigator on this case, okay? Here's what happened. He went to the scene, Keith. Mm -hmm. He interviewed Diane's boyfriend, John Sponza, who was 23 at the time, who said that she had shot herself with his 32 caliber when he set it down. Remember, she was peeling potatoes? Right. And he also affirmed that they had rarely, if ever, had arguments. So with that, and with that only, that initial investigation, Burns ruled the death an accidental homicide, or an accidental death, despite, like we discussed at the end of last week, the angle of the gunshot entering through the, uh, the her head through the left side, even though she was right-handed. Mm -hmm. He closed the case without follow-up investigation. Closed. Never looked into it not being a suicide. Never looked into her not being suicidal. Did not question why her five-year-old son, our buddy Derm Dylan, was locked outside during the incident on a freezing February day in New England. None of Yikes. that was even covered. All right? So 44 years later, Dylan McDermott is now telling Gugliotti that when he was a child, he had memories of Sponza holding a gun to his own head. Oh, and shit. that was confirmed by uh, Diane's best friend, the mother's best friend. Sharon tells how John Sponza constantly was yelling at Dylan, pinched him, hit him, uh, abused him, even stuck a gun in his face. Finally, he stopped when the friend threatened to have uh, her a convict husband kill him if he ever touched Dylan again or Mark Anthony oh, at the time. Crazy. That didn't stop the abuse against his mother, Diane, which Sponza, which uh, witnesses say humiliated her, beat her, uh, made her expose herself sexually in front of his friends, choked her when oh. she didn't get his cigarettes fast enough. Um, so already, this raises so many red flags to me because you you go to a murder scene, and, or you go to a an accidental shooting, and this is a person who has a rap sheet for physical abuse, for uh, verbal abuse, and it gets worse. So already, with Dylan reinvestigate or re-litigating these facts with the uh, now police inspector, uh, Gugliotti reopens the case. So in 2001, here's the new information we learn. 
Okay. Uh, the case is now reassigned to a detective, Richard Baxter and Gary Pelosi. They interview associates who tell them that Sponza assaulted them for minor disagreements. Sucker punched people from behind. They speak to a former employee uh, at the Waterbury Country Club. F- had to fire him 20 minutes on the job for fighting with cans- uh, caddies. A former girlfriend uh, testifies that she, uh, he pushed her to the ground right before he started dating her friend, Diane McDermott. So, then he had an ex-wife who says he hit me several times. Uh, there was a day came he didn't trust me. He said he would kill me. So, it's clear this man is not a good guy. Uh, they look back into his criminal history. He had stints in and out of jail, breaking and entering, drug possession, larceny, robbery, heavily addicted to cocaine and heroin. Was the main suspect, Keith, get ready for this. Now, none of this was investigated initially. Main suspect in a murder of Harold Unsworth, in, in, uh, who was 27-year-old, whose body was found in the trunk of Sponza's mother's car, 38 caliber gunshots, the week before Diane was found with that 32 pistol. You're kidding. God. Ba- Baxter and Pelosi, the new investigators, uh, re-examined the autopsy, which confirmed the bullet angle, proved not accidental, proved entry was too large to be caused by a 32 and likely fired by, go figure, a, a 38. 38. Yeah. Uh, showed no gunpowder residue on either hand. They determined uh, Henry Byrne, uh, this is the original prosecutor or investigator, failed to test John Sponza for gunpowder residue. Likely covered up his involvement in the murder. Uh, Was one of many officials under investigating for stolen goods rings and was fired two years after in 1969 along with the deputy superintendent. Jorge goes on to uh, provide a bunch of other uh, research he did about uh, ways that the Waterbury town and police department was likely very corrupt. Uh, I'm going to just skip past that. I'm, I'll, I'll include in the in the show notes in, for anybody who's interested in further reading. So, after all this, which was clearly a botched investigation, there's, clearly, yeah. uh, there's an assumption that maybe that initial investigator was actually involved in the crime, perhaps. Uh, Let's find out, before we get to how the, the investigation was concluded, let's find out what ends up happening to John Sponza. He continued a life of crime during all these years not being uh, convicted of anything. In 1972, he and three other men stole two safes from a bank. He lured them to a secluded, uh, to a secluded woods and to divide the contents. Once parked, he shot them all. One escaped, one was grazed by a bullet, but the third was killed. Sponza takes off, he flees. Crashes his Cadillac. He rents a Dodge Charger. The car was found a week later in a parking lot of a supermarket. Before approaching, officers smelled horrible odor. Jimmy's the trunk. Inside was bloody, weak-old dead body of 28-year-old John Sponza. This happened in Massachusetts, just 11 miles northwest of Boston. So Sponza is dead and will never be uh, held accountable for his escapes. But let's see uh, what the conclusion of all this is. Though uh, though assumed two surviving double-crossed bank robbers were responsible, John Sponza's murder was never officially solved. A murder that was solved almost 40 years later was the one that he committed. Thanks to Dylan McDermott, Diane McDermott's son, uh, her death has since been ruled, changed from accidental uh, death to a homicide. 
So, Dylan McDermott does certainly turn his poison into medicine. During an interview at Christmas in 2010, Gugliotti asked why Dylan wanted to solve this murder after all these years, even though Sponza was dead. Dylan's response, in order for me to survive and to get where I am today, I needed to bury that moment in my life deep within Mm. myself. But it wasn't until recently that I've come to a point in my life where I'm able to begin the process of all of this and make it part of my life and provide some closure. So, here was a murder that would have just gone, look, Sponza got the ultimate justice, right? Uh, right? If you believe in an eye for an eye, or even if not, he got what was coming to him. But he never stood trial for this murder. He was never even accused of this murder. Uh, if it weren't for Dylan needing that closure and for pursuing it, uh, it never would have been uh, closed. So, you know, it really does make me open my eyes to a lot of the performances Dylan has given and will continue to give uh, because that is something, look, I we talk about this often, the death of my dad uh, of natural causes has colored almost every experience I've had subsequently. So to yeah. think that Dylan as an actor in such an intense role uh, has this well of emotion to pull on is just absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it really is. And and it certainly, one of the things that you you said in there was that this his mother or their their family friend like intimidated like called in basically a hitman to intimidate this guy and say don't touch dylan which was mm-hmm. basically the storyline of that dylan just went yeah through, absolutely which is really fascinating wow that fu- that's clever yeah wow interesting i, I wonder how much of this david e kelly knew and how much of this might have influenced storylines. Well, yeah, you never know. I, a, a quick aside, and I'm going to be very careful at how I how I phrase this. Uh, in recent times, I uh, took place took part in a uh, a reading of a show that was uh, kind of like a campy slasher flick type of thing, mm-hmm. and the it was also who done it and the eventual person who uh, committed was the was the maniac turns out to be twins right it was one actress playing twin sisters one was a good sister and one was like a psychopathic killer sure sure and she really sunk her teeth into it and we come to learn years late uh, time later that be unbeknownst to any of the writers of the show or any of the casting anything like that this actress had had a twin sister who had passed away in some sort of, uh, had passed away. And so, you know, you just never know how close to home you're getting at times, especially, you know, yeah. when you're, anyway, it, it's 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 acting and performing is such a, a legitimate art, but also a sort of metaphysical sort of uh, yeah. universe, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Very, and and of course, like anytime you're performing something, you're you're bringing to it all of your lived experiences, and especially when you're dealing with something dramatic or you're dealing with a with a, a traumatic moment that you're playing on stage. Like you don't know what that right. person has has been through personally, and and what their relationship with that is, and that's something that I always have to sort of keep an eye on with with my work because it's like I don't know if this because a lot of times. 
you're casting from your friends, but sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're cast. You need somebody that you like a type that you don't have in your friend area, and you don't know what their experiences are. And that it's something to keep in mind. All right, what we need to do is to keep in mind moving forward with the show and hopping back in the time machine for real this time, back to February 11th, the year 2001, and ask the eternal question, Mike, what were you doing? This day in the basement. Well, Keith, I can tell you, but first I want to uh, close a chapter that I've been circling around and around. I keep talking about uh, that first contract I signed at Delaware City Theater Company to play The Young mm -hmm. Thing and Hello Again, my first professional contract. I thought maybe it was around this time. As we've mentioned ad nauseum at this point, my brain is a, a collective shatter of memories. But right. I found it. Oh, you I did? I actually found oh, fantastic. it. fantastic. And I am one entire year late. <laughs> <laughs> so, As let me happens. pull it up. As happens. That's not it. Let me pull it up. Here it is. Here she is. You'll find this is the letter of agreement, uh, oh. which is dated. March 21st, 2000. There you go. For performances that end up being uh, between April and May of 2000. So I'm, I am one year late to the party. Look at that. And look, a whopping $400 for the entire run. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, it is proof of being a professional actor. If if not now, at least then. Uh, <laughs> I really thought the the world was my oyster at that point. Uh, however, jumping ahead, uh, I was auditioning for right now. Mm -hmm. I had auditioned, so I was uh, with my current girlfriend at the time, and we had done a production of Pippin, as I've mentioned a bunch of times. Right. Uh, and Pippin is closed at this point, and I believe it was this past summer, and we are still together and auditioning together for a play uh, at the Dutch Country Players in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. No, I've which heard is, of them. I think I might have auditioned for them once or twice over the years. A play called Tribute, which I knew literally nothing about, li other than the fact that there was uh, two parts that my girlfriend and I could play together, which was sort of what we were Fun. Yeah. shooting for. Uh, it would come to pass that uh, I would book it and she would not. Oh, no. And I would also come to find, Keith, that the play was about, and literally I got the job, accepted it, and didn't even read the play. <laughs> so I yep. show up Makes sense. to day one, and they pass out the scripts, and I go home, and we, you know, meet and greet, and whatever, and... Uh, the girl playing opposite me was cute, so I was like, that's good. Now, this is early on, but that's really what was important, right? Are there cute girls in the cast? Obviously. I mean, why else do musical theater? Uh, this was not musical theater. This was a straight oh, play. play. Yeah. Yep. Uh, by somebody Shaw. Not Bernard Shaw, but another Shaw. George Shaw? Maybe. I should know. I should have looked that up. Anyway, not not important. What I come to find is that it revolves around um, a man, Scotty, who finds out that he is diagnosed with leukemia and dying of leukemia and decides oh, he wants Jesus. to reconnect with and come to terms with his sort of estranged son, Judd, me. And so the universe sent me a mm. play about a son and a father trying to 
thoughts, initialize a relationship uh, under the knowledge that the father's dying. Which, Keith, it turns out, uh, was the exact situation I found myself in. And the show will open uh, the weekend after my father dies. <sighs> and I'll never forget, I sat down with the director and the cast, and they were like, look, we will absolutely, you know, this is way before understudies and stuff. This is early on days. Right. And they're like, you know, we can push, we'll push the entire run a week or two as long as much time as you need. And I, I remember saying, no, let's do it. And we did it. And I did this whole run of the show, like in the direct aftermath of my dad dying. And it was probably one of the biggest challenges slash greatest mm. sort of, it was really important. And I end up meeting the girl I played opposite with, which I, I could get into this later, but I'm not, well, here we are. Her name was Summer Hayes, which is kind of an awesome name, which it, it dawns on me now that maybe she was using a sort of stage name because that's really clever. And she ended up, not only did my dad die, but my girlfriend and I had broken up and it was really kind of a shitty time. And she was such a good friend to me during this. And uh, I would just hang out at her house because I didn't want to be in my house. And she was obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, oh, the TV sure. show. So we just like watched Buffy all the time and just hung out. And uh, I don't know where she is. I've tried to find her as like, I can't locate her. Uh, she's just kind of poof. Uh, so she exists as sort of like a Jiminy Cricket, a Rebecca Cricket in my life, uh, just someone who was there and has subsequently poofed. And so that was, uh, yeah, that's I was auditioning for tribute, which would turn out to be a mm. pretty uh, fundamental portion of my life. Keith, let's go over to you. What were you wow. doing this day in the basement? Well, I yeah, I mean that's that that's a that's a crazy story, and it and it's funny how. Um, Performing in a situation like that can either be either make things a thousand times worse or a thousand times better. Like depending on what you need in the moment, do you need to re do you need to work through those things or do you need a break from those things? And uh, very interesting. And yeah, for me, uh, and it was course, like I need to be doing something because yeah, for yeah, me well, in life, it's like when I'm sitting in stillness with quiet and. I can't, man. That's where it I go. I need yeah. to be doing. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Uh, and <clears throat> and technically, on the uh, title of the play or the the author of the play, uh, you were half right, half wrong. Uh, you were saying it wasn't Bernard Shaw, but it was a Shaw. Wrong. It wasn't Shaw, but it was, it was a Bernard. Bernard. <laughs> it was Bernard Slate. <laughs> okay, there we go. Well, you know. Okay, well, there it is. Uh, interesting. All right, well, far less uh, intense. I was at Eastman, and uh, my folks came to visit. Here's a picture of, this was up in the opera studio, up on the 12th floor at Eastman there. Uh, I think we were doing scenes, maybe from West Side. forget what it was, but those are my parents and my girlfriend who came to visit me there. We uh, had a lovely weekend and uh that's us or that's my parents in the uh the eastman dorms we had a lovely meal at uh, dinosaur barbecue oh love Rochester. me the dinosaur barbecue oh it's so good i went back um actually the first time i actually went back to school 
or went back to Eastman a couple of years ago uh, with my friend Derek. We went back to Dinosaur and it was like, oh, God, why didn't I go to this every night? But as you can see from the pictures there, I'd already eaten some barbecue. So I didn't need to have any more. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was before stretchy It was before I was like rocking the mom jeans and the uh, and the polo. It was perfect. But uh, yeah, it's basically, I've you know, pretty much the same. Like, it's funny how little I've changed since since they're for better and worse. <laughs> I'm pretty much the same guy. I think there's a lot uh, to be said for that. Yeah, well, you know, consistency. Consistency. I, like, I'm happier. My brain works better. All right. It is time for... It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. We are talking about February 11th, the year 2001. The top hit was a new one. Oh, yeah. And it was... Miss Jackson, Outcast. And this is a 10 year old covering it. Forever, ever? What? He's 10? So, he's like 10. He's like this little 10 year old rapper who, who's done his whole. <laughs> he's done a whole video. You should definitely check it out, folks, if you go on the YouTubes. This made Outcast the, blow up. Yeah. The top movie was Hannibal, which uh, I noticed that CBS All Access is redoing Silence of the Lambs as a series, as if that series has not been done series into oblivion. Is, yeah. Like, Silence of the Lambs was already done. Silence of the Lambs was a remake of the of that's not that movie and then uh and then they did like 700 increasingly bad sequels to it but now we're doing a tv show all right thank you very much all right so the local paper i have a new impromptu back in time true crime give me the give me the bumper all right hold on wait back in time i have to be prepared for these things because when i don't prepare <laughs> back in time True crime. Okay. The local paper, Burlington Free Press, said hope fades for survivors of collision with submarine. And what had happened was the U.S. sub USS Greenville collided with a Japanese fishery high school training ship just off the coast of Hawaii. In a demonstration for civilian VIPs in the sub, he did an emergency ballast blow, which causes the submarine to surface rapidly, and it collided with the ship, sinking it in 10 minutes. It killed nine people, four high school students, two teachers, and three Jesus. crew members. Several of the bodies were not recovered until the following October when they raised the ship. Now, Commander Scott Waddell was in command of the sub, obviously, but he avoided a full court-martial, and was, but he was forced to retire, but with an honorable discharge. And so, can you believe he got away essentially murdering nine people? By, was there a reason why he did the emergency ballast blow? He was showing off for civilian VIPs. Oh, shit. 
he was literally just like, I don't know who was there, like Sean Connery, and like, hey, check this out. Huh. And that sucks. Killed a bunch of high school kids. Huh? Yeah, right? So there it is. Scott Waddle. We haven't forgotten. No, and yeah, we won't. Well, no, and you know what's weird is I actually kind of remember that. So uh it was it was big news back in February of 2011. But what was bigger news was it's time it's time, time, time it's time for sports. It's time to switch over to the NHL where the 2000-2001 season is already underway. The Boston Bruins blew out the Tampa Bay Lightning 6-2 in a delightfully chippy game. Matthew Barnaby fought Andre Nazarov on the opening faceoff. I couldn't find the clip, but don't worry, two weeks later on the opening faceoff, the exact same thing happened, so stay tuned. But meanwhile, later in the game, this happened. Oh, so fun. I can't hear it. That's all right. I remember. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was Bill Guerin, who was defending a teammate in the third period against the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Bruins, of course, were wearing their horrible yellow jammies uh, outfits, which are no longer there. But Guerin was a big star. But this game was chippy from the opening faceoff in those original Tampa Bay Lightning uniforms uh, there in Boston Garden, which was uh, at that point known as the Fleet Center. Oh, I love it. I miss old-time hockey so much. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get a strike for this because this is A, the NHL, and not the NFL. And this was broadcast on Nessun, which is a local regional sports network. Uh, anyway, yeah, so I, that's – the fact that on in, in a hockey game, what happened there – and this, this happens sometimes when there's, like, a beef going on with the teams. The – the ref will drop the puck for the opening faceoff, and everybody will ignore it and just stop and just start fighting, which which they knew was going to happen there because Matthew Barnaby was a rat, and uh, and so it was just like, all right, we're just going to fight to begin the game, and then then we'll worry about hockey later. So there it is, Phoenix. I gave you a clip again, so I will try to uh, find us clips that won't get us strikes. Mm. Now, the last thing we're gonna do is talk about weather. Can you tell me the weather? Cause we all need to know. Was it hot or did it snow? Tell me the weather from 21 years ago. He th you thought you'd catch me unawares, but actually, though I don't have any <laughs> specifics, and I don't have any specifics, I will tell you that I'll never forget that during the audition for Tribute, which was what my uh, This Day in the Basement was, was mm -hmm. the first time ever that I had gotten my car stuck in the snow. Oh, no kidding. It was a muddy, dr uh, gravelly driveway, and uh, I parked, and by the time I came out, I spun my tires, and I couldn't get out, and... Uh, a very nice man in a truck with chains mm -hmm. actually attached it to the underside of my uh, front-wheel drive car and pulled me out. 
And uh, that reminds me that you probably dealt with that all the time back in oh, your day. Oh, goodness, yes. No, getting stuck in the snow and the mud and the ice. Yeah, no, this, that is a very familiar sensation for me. Oh, you know, if I can find it, actually, at Eastman during one of the snowstorms in Rochester, there was this guy, there's a parking lot behind our dorm room, and this guy trying to pull his, get his car out of the snow and just listening to him freak out. And by the end, he was just like screaming expletives. It was so much fun. Anyway, I've recorded some of it. If I can find it, I'll play it on air, but I doubt I can. Anyway. I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Okay, folks, we are finally here. Sorry to your thumb skipping through all of that (laughs) nonsense we just talked about. And we are here to talk about The Practice, Season 5, Episode 14, The Day After. This was written by David E. Kelly and directed by Alex Graves, our one of our favorite directors. Sadly, this is the last episode that Alex will direct of The Practice. He was moving on to being an EP on the West Wing before Game of Thrones and such. All right, it is February 2001. It is Sweeps Weeks. Sweeps Week. And that makes us really wonder... supposed to be. What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Well, let's not forget, we blowed up the office last week. We did blowed up the office, yes. And so clearly there is cleanup that must take place. Now, the day after must most easily refers to the day after the blow up, would one would assume, but that's too easy for uh, the year of the season of big swings. Big swings, big sweeps. Uh, so look, we've had almost every season somebody end up in the hospital. That's not even a big swing anymore. But this week, I think both Rebecca and Lucy are in the hospital. And not only that, one of them needs a transplant. Ooh, okay. And it will come down to who in the office, for because it can only be someone from the office that has to follow through <laughs> with the transplant. But it, there's a problem with that, Keith, because okay, all right. two of our members are pregnant, so clearly they can't do the transplant. Right. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and guess that Rebecca is the one that is most crucially injured, and that Lucy, even though they're both in the hospital, uh, Lucy will provide Rebecca something vital, a kidney maybe, something like that, to uh, to to catalyze her recovery. Well, if she needs a head transplant, I know where we have one on ice. Mm, good one. Yeah, ooh, yeah, funny. <laughs> they all work. <laughs> all the so jokes if you want to know how wrong I was, you can do so by clicking this QR code right here on the screen or, you know, just like continuing to listen to the podcast that you're probably on because it doesn't seem like anybody watches this on YouTube. No, 
nobody watches it. Uh, but Keith and I are going to drop as many F-bombs as possible this episode just to get those sweeps week bump up. And uh, we'll see you for the oopsies. Season five, episode 14, The Day After. Hello, Lindsay. If you're getting this, it's at the instructions of my probate attorney, which means I must be dead. That's unfortunate. Ooh. I usually like to have the last laugh. This is my little insurance policy on that. Get out. What? Go! We did our own previous Rebecca really sussed out that that was a... Uh... She sure did. She, like, full-on saved her lives. Can't go in there. Police dogs are there. Bobby's trying to get through. Rebecca on a stretcher. Lucy on a stretcher. And Rebecca. Rebecca sure looks like she needs a kidney, Keith. She just might. She just might. Just stay calm. I'm right here. Lucy fared a little better. Tell me your injuries. Yeah. Heart stopped. Get the paddles. Charging at 200. Clear. Shit, her heart stopped. Rebecca's heart stopped. Charging at 360. Clear. Okay, shoot back. Damn, shoot she must die. 20-year-old female. Thus far, Mike was right. Rebecca fared worse. You can, sir. You have to wait here. But a little bit faster. I'm sorry. I cannot go past this point. You learn anything more? Just uh, explosion. That's all I got. Lucy was coming. We gathered. I think she's okay. Beck isn't. Oh, shit. Yikes. Okay, well, we have some high stakes today. And did it, was it me or did Steve seem like he, or I shouldn't call him Steve, did Eugene seem like he was taking this a little worse than Bobby? Bobby seemed relatively nonplussed. Maybe that's because he's still feeling relief from the fact he's not in prison. He's had a, I tell you what, Bobby has had a long day because he, like 20 minutes ago, he was, uh, he was not convicted of murder. Right. So <laughs> this is a continuation of quite the day at the office. I know all, uh, poor, all these pregnant people. This is a lot of stress for pregnant people to really endure. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on here on the practice. Dr. Evans, OR Nurse Station. Dr. Evans, to OR Nurse Station. Dr. Herman. Aging Dr. Herman. Dr. Hoffman to medical Hoffman, callback? have you received any threats or to bomb us? No. Lucy Ray Hatcher? Says back. That's us. She's okay. She suffered a concussion and a right, couple Lucy's of lacerations. Good. Other than that, just some bruises. The x-rays were all negative. Can we see? Helen She's Eigenberg? being stitched up. After that, they'll bring her out. What about Rebecca Washington? The other doctors are treating her. I'll check for you. Bob! Is she okay? We don't know. Holy <gasps> shit! The doctor is still working. Lady who just walked in, I'm not going to give away who it is yet! Person who's probably Rebecca's mom, even though they could definitely be sisters, because she looked good! Guys, this is one of my favorite actresses uh, out there. It is CCH Pounder! 
who is a four-time Emmy nominee for the number one ladies detective agency, ER and the X-Files. But of course, we know her from The Shield, mm -hmm. uh, who I thought she was fantastic. She's also in the Avatar series. Oh. So she spent the last five years like floating underwater, uh, pretending to be blue. Uh, she was also in RoboCop 3, Sons of Anarchy, Warehouse 13, and... Would you like a interesting piece of West Wing trivia? Can't wait. Did you know that CCH Pounder was the runner-up to play CJ Craig? Really? Really? Huh. I'm trying to picture her doing the jackal. It's, I think she, it's interesting because like Allison Janney is a fucking national treasure who is the heart and soul of that entire show. Mm -hmm. But I, I honestly think the show might be just as good with CCH Pounder. Uh, yeah, I'm, it, it's crazy how I'm a grown ass man at 40 and it's still taking every fiber of my being, every single one of them to not make a pounder joke. Oh, good for you. I, I like you. Are, you're really like aiming higher. <laughs> in the office. What were her injuries? We're not sure yet. Or is she conscious or? Is she... I don't think so. Hey, 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 Lucy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Damn, Lucy right? got messed up. Yeah, just some stitches. And William Hanks. What? You know, for someone who they brought in as like some comedic relief, they've really put the character through the effing ringer. I know. <laughs> Lucy just, she's there for exposition and to get blown up or assaulted. <laughs> Horrible things happen to Lucy. There was a tape recorder with a message in it. Yeah, if you're, if you are Lucy Hatcher, you want to avoid any sort of analog media, VHS tapes, cassette Audio tapes, cassette tapes. That's any sort right. of tape you want to just avoid. Or maybe get a new job, because this one is not working out. <laughs> Beck said run, and then everything just blew up. The voice. Yeah, Beck saved her he life. He identified himself as Hinks. I know his voice. Yeah, Beck definitely saved her life. Jimmy. Lucy's okay. We don't know about Rebecca. Hinks sent a bomb. Can I talk to you a bit about this tape recorder? Yeah. I'd also like you to talk to some people from our bomb squad. How to get there? Hanks' probate attorney sent it over. Do you know his name? There might have been a letter, but I don't remember. But, well, hold on. I, Keith, I'm sorry. I know we just started, but I need to piggyback on something you closed, the rant you closed the episode on last week. I sure did. If you missed it, go click back to the last 30 seconds. Yeah. And it's making more sense to me now. Like, it made sense then, but the, since the whole, this episode apparently hinges on that tape, not only did he, like, concoct a tape recorder bomb, which in its own right is pretty spectacular. Right. He's smart, not only He's, he was he it. able to just, like, send it through the mail, unboxed, uh, without any sort of, like, direct recipient or Didn't postage. even put it in the bubble mailer. But tra tracing it further back, when did Hinks just assume he was going to be murdered? And when did he have time to like concoct this thing? And how long has it been sitting at the probate attorneys? And so many questions. Are we going to avoid all of the questions? Is it, are we just going to skip over all of that? It's a really good questions. And of course, as I pointed out before, like his plan to get uh, Lindsay 
without any sort of, there's nothing written on it that says this is for, you know, only Lindsay should play this. So it's a very and also plan. He murdered the poor little dog. He broke into, the, why didn't he just kill Lindsay? Right. He could have like, and, and like- He's a got a blower so, up from the grave? And it's so messy for how he would do something. Like Hinks is not a bomber. They He's created, like, no. next to Joe Herrick, they created the second best, maybe for, maybe could have been the first best uh, villain on the show. And then they just like destroyed the, the like cohesion of the character or any sort, it doesn't make any sense. Well, the, his first episode, Mr. Hinks comes to town. He is the best villain of all time. But then they undercut his effectiveness by how they treat him moving forward. Speaking of Joey Herrick, I gotta mention it. Uh, they they greenlit a prequel, no, just kidding, a sequel to Night Court that will feature Dan Herring and uh, the... Uh, um, who was it that's going to play the the girl lead? It's Dan's Dan's daughter in real life. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, yes, Harry Anderson's daughter. Yes. Oh, okay. Good story, Mike. And back to the practice. <laughs> Look, they're not. They don't all work. Okay. Two and a half hours. Rebecca Washington. All right. That's what's up with Mike? Does she need a kid? Uh, she suffered some pretty tough internal injuries. There's also some swelling in the brain. Now, she's still unconscious and probably will stay that way until uh, well, the swelling goes down. We need to repair her spleen, and it's possible that she may lose a kidney. She's on her way to the OR now. Eve, is she gonna live, Doctor? Yes, well, indeed. Yes. You're a we're genius. The question is, will she? Right. Well, we'll know better once we get in there. I'll come out as soon as we're finished. Doctor. All right. Hold on, just no a second. I have two things to do. One, we have to play a bumper for them for this guy, and two, I have to feed the stray cat who uh, we've been taking care of on our uh, Oh no, what's gonna become here. of the stray cat, Keith, when you move? Oh, he's very well taken care of, I promise. Are you not gonna take him with you? Well, he won't come in, he's he's actually a stray. So he's, or he's actually feral, oh, so he's okay. not a stray. Hold on just a second, I have to get a bowl. Everyone, talk amongst yourselves. Mike, Phil. All right, I can do that. So, uh, I guess a lot of questions remain. I, I I really did take a shot in the dark there about the kidney thing. I, I wonder if the transplant situation will be uh, will come to fruition and whether that even is important. It's kind of, I don't know why they would waste time on that, but where's this case gonna go? Is it going to be about, I mean, they can't litigate Joey Harris, or sorry, they can't litigate uh, Hanks now, he's dead. So what's going to be the big story here? The day after, uh, and they have Rebecca's mom, maybe she's gonna need some sort of like major surgery and there's a complication, something like that, maybe? Here what, we, oh here? yeah, did you just maybe, do a uh, mid, oh go ahead. I'm just saying like, we can't litigate Hinks cause he's dead, so what's the big you know, drama gonna be in the episode? I'm thinking maybe Rebecca needs some major surgery and her mom, has to make a decision and maybe she wants to make a decision to like pull the plug or something like that, that the office disagrees with. And they try to like become Rebecca's guardian and like steal away from her mom. I don't know, could go a lot of ways. There's only one way to find out. 
You feed the cat, we'll watch the show. Oh, yes. I'm sorry? But My daughter, she's a Jehovah's Witness. Oh, oh. shit. Oh, if Keith. you stayed on for one more line. Keith, we've been through the Jehovah's Witness thing. Have We've talked about it on the pod, right? My, we yes, we have. Yes, yes, we have. Uh, meanwhile, this is actually important. Doctor they're talking to. Doctor who didn't open the door once he heard that the, the Jehovah's Witnesses were there. Here's what's important about the Doctor. The Doctor is played by Steven Anderson, who you might remember as Doctor, not this Doctor, Yay! in Race with the Devil. Here we go. We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. But now you get twist the residuals arriving at your door. So welcome back to the practice. I'll pretend that I don't recognize that I saw you in season two and you met your demise. Two, three, four. Yes, you were a killer, but now you're set free. First appearance, manly filler, but you had a goatee. You may be fooling someone dimmer, but you don't fool me. We don't hear the judge, but you just might be. Welcome back to the practice tonight. Yes, indeed. Welcome back. New doctor, new situation. Let's go. Um, I, to my understanding, Jehovah's Witnesses can have surgeries, though. I mean, they just can't celebrate the, the holidays. Well, know. we're going to get into it. Clearly, there's gaps in my knowledge. Yes. She can't what? have go any figure. blood transfusions. <laughs> oh, no blood She is. Bobby, I know my daughter's faith, and she would not want a transfusion under any circumstances. Mrs. Washington, she's all... Well, then why does she stand for the Pledge of Allegiance at the beginning of every workday at the firm? Already lost a lot of blood. shit. To withhold a transfusion at this point would pose a very grave risk. You can do the surgery. You can use non-blood alternatives, but no blood. Alternate Are facts? there any other family Alternate members blood. here? I'm her only family. Lane, I think... Bobby, no! What are we facing? Well, we can do auto-transfusions for the surgery. Since when is Bobby Sunday, able to pull the doctor basically recycle her own blood, but she's lost almost three liters. It should be noted, he also pulled him maybe a foot and a half to the side. So this conversation oh, is clearly... Away from Bobby, her mother. I said no. Do the surgery. No blood. One second, Helene. This is my daughter. One second. Doctor, follow me into this other room. What do I need to do? I'm sorry? To authorize the transfusion. Well, you need to convince the mother. The patient's intent. I can't take your word over her mother's on what the patient's intent is. I'm sorry. I'm going to go over to the mother, then I'll come back to you and tell you she consented. Then you'll be authorized to give the transfusion. I am Bobby Donnell, a recently non-convicted mass murderer. Then you'll be covered. <laughs> this authorization is I'm throwing to out all the laws. Fuck them all. It's to protect the patient's rights. How is this patient protected if she's going to die? Mr. Donnell... The ethics of this arena are perhaps a little different than the one you're used to playing in. Tell me, how does it become more ethical to let her die in your arena, Doctor? I'm sorry, but this hospital needs more than your personal assurance to perform this transfusion. I like this. This is a nut we have not cracked yet. That's right. And an interesting and complex conundrum. First thing in the morning. Conundrum. In the meantime, keep working on Elaine. Okay. And we cut to a bloody murder scene, and Jimmy... It's their own office. That is either <laughs> Rebecca's or Lucy's blood on the wall. 
Many pictures are askew. We found his correspondence in the debris. It's from Roland That's Hofstra. How you can tell something happened. He's a probate attorney. Dear Miss Dole, my client bequeathed this item to you. Oh, I call bullshit there, Keith. He sent that giant heavy tape recorder and that little teeny envelope. It's like an, a, a legal well, envelope, but... No, that no, that's the envelope with the letter that was apparently on the tape recorder because we retconned <laughs> what I was yelling about before. Somebody Hofstra. told him that doesn't Lucy make any sense. She could have. She was kind of in a daze over her rape case. How's Rebecca? She's still in surgery. Um, Bobby's going to go into court. The mother still won't budge. Detective? Eleanor? Oh. Kevin? Oh my God, what happened? It's like There's a bomb something about Kevin. Hold on. Mike doesn't know it, but we've just begun a crossover. Is he an old friend from her stint, Helen's stint on Gideon's crossover? He is, he is an old friend of Eleanor's, of course. But guys, we have begun the crossover with Boston Public! Chris Cross Applesauce, it's a practice crossover. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> guys, it is Tom McCarthy, who you know as Coach Kevin Riley from Boston Public, the spinoff of David E. Kelly's, well, it's, well obviously it's not a spinoff, but it is in this world of the practice about a Boston public school teachers. Uh, and uh, interestingly, he didn't, I don't know if they had a plan to have them cross over because earlier this season, somebody mentioned wanting to go home and watch Boston public, but now they're in the universe. Oh, wait, so, so this is a crossover with Boston public, not Gideon's Crossing, and they've already put it as a fictional television show inside of their own universe? Inside of their own universe. Oh, so. Man. Yeah, no, but there are two crossovers this season. Gideon's Crossing is just the second one. This is the first one, which interestingly, this was another crossover from Fox. Even though this is an ABC show, uh, Boston Public aired on Fox, just like Ally McBeal did. So we have a, an interesting cross-network, cross-show, crossover. Let me introduce Tom McCarthy. Calm, slow down. This is very exciting. So Tom McCarthy, the actor who plays coach Kevin Riley, uh, is an occasional actor, but he is an Oscar winner as a writer. He was a writer on Up. So good. And he won the Oscar for writing Spotlight. Uh, which also, which was about the uh, uh, the Catholic priest pedophilia uh, problem in Boston, the the Boston Globe broke it. Um, he was also on the Wire, Adley McBeal, Flags of Our Fathers. He also wrote The Station Agent and Christopher Robin. So this guy is a highly accomplished writer as an actor. To admitting, Doctor Berenger to ER we repaired the spleen. Uh, no other internal organs were damaged. Uh, we didn't have to take the kidney. Uh, she came through pretty well. The blood uh, loss is still a major concern. Her heart rate is 168. It should be in the 70s. 
Right now, our biggest worry is that she could go into shock. Can I see her? Well, she'll be taken to ICU. You can see her there in about an hour. Thank you. She really needs blood, Mrs. Washington. I'll have a nurse bring you to the ICU. Elaine, please. Eugene, when she was in surgery, you sat there for a long time with your eyes closed. What were you doing? Praying. You turned to your faith. My daughter and I would like to turn to ours. Well, you know, Rebecca no has warning. been Rebecca. No so okay. her faith Did you has facilitate been the relationship? No, sure. I knew about it, but that's it. I was fired because a fellow teacher had an affair with a student and I didn't report it. That's the extent of my participation, if you could even call it that. Were you involved in a cover-up? No, or? Eleanor, you know me. I would never. Okay. World the friends. teacher who had the affair. Quick recap from the last yes. episode of Boston Public. Public. So uh, one of the teachers at the school was caught sleeping with one of his students. And who was, and the teacher was this guy's best friend, and this guy knew about it, but did not report it, and was subsequently fired as a result. Okay, good context. Thank you, Keith. There you go. Probably the problem. They're finding me guilty by association. It's not right. I didn't do anything wrong. When's the hearing at the school board? This afternoon. And you're coming to me now? I was going to have my union rep do it, but... Kevin... One of my partners just got critically injured. I don't think that I'm... Also, one of my other okay. partners was just uh, Actually, in a murder trial. The distraction. Yeah, things are blowing up There's around nothing here. we can really do here. Which is fair, I I'll guess. It's kind of what we were talking about before. Let me take one shot. Like having something to do when it gets What's crazy. Like? Usually fair, but he's also stubborn. Is he at school now? I'm sure he is. Let's go. What do you expect me to do? Give me a court order. To override a person's religious freedom? It's my opinion that Rebecca Washington would want the transfusion. And that would mean something if your opinion mattered, but it doesn't, Mr. Donald. You have no standing here and you know it. I believe an argument can be made to substitute my judgment for the mother's. Even if that's true, that argument is certainly not going to be made ex parte. Time Were you in prison like eight hours ago? why did you come here without Mrs. Washington? She was in the hospital room with you. Your Honor. You came looking for a favor. Your Honor, I believe But I, I don't give them. And truth be told, I'm offended that you'd think... I don't give a damn whether you're offended or not. A person could die here. However close to her you may be. If she doesn't get the transfusion, she will die. I don't know that that's enough. That's enough, Bobby. You wanting you it real bad. With the mother. Give her notice right now. And I'll see you in an hour. So I would like to point out. So if you're paying attention, the judge is Susan Blomert, who was back as Judge Fox. It's only a presumption in uh, favor of family members. Who, it's not codified anywhere. Just put the cases. I'll read them on the Mike's way distracted. over. The best ones are from New Jersey. I'm here. I'm here. I'm sorry. I Go ahead. <laughs> I was distracted. We got an email from Jorge mid-episode. I wanted. To, I was checking it out. Oh, hilarious. 
I, I told him we were recording in like 10 minutes when I last emailed him. Uh, he's going to ask, how did the homework go? Uh, so I think it's interesting that we have Susan Blomert here as the judge that Bobby goes to for a favor because she's not the natural judge. This is a Zoe Hiller. This is a Linda Hunt job here. And so I feel like Linda Hunt must not have been available. And Susan Blomert is clearly uh, the stunt double for Linda Hunt. She even kind of looks like It's her. only a presumption in favor of family members. It's not codified anywhere. Just print the cases. I'll read them on the way over. Your best ones are from New Jersey. I highlighted First Circuit. Lucy doesn't get a goddamn few days off? <laughs> She's back at work. I mean, they, she just got blown up. Look, uh, Lucy, I look, I understand. I hear that a bomb went off in your face. And I, I, I know it's been a stressful week. And, uh, you know, the boss of the job was uh, was accused of murder. Everyone's pregnant. You got blown up. You had that horrible, uh, you know, rape thing you were helping people with. But those phones aren't going to answer themselves. Yeah, and the, t- the temp agency is very day. expensive. And, you know, yeah. we, we pay you dick. So it's actually, uh, if you could just come I mean, in if, for a couple of hours. If, if the verdict were on a Friday, sure. <laughs> but it was a Thursday. So it's technically a work day. I mean, I don't know if you saw your contract when you signed it, but it did say if you suffered any trauma or explosions, you had about 11 yeah. minutes to really get over it. You know, and and Mike was thinking you might have to give someone a kidney today. And so, yeah. like, that, you don't have to do that. So, like, kidney phones, I mean, come on. Hey, little does she know that so many years later, Marla Sokoloff would charge you $80 for a five-minute cameo. Yes, I looked into it. You okay? <laughs> I just my stupid back. Five minutes? That's Eugene. a long time. She's still unconscious. Well, five minutes, I think, oh, no, is the time she gone. spends on it total. Are I you see. okay? I'm fine. Are you fine? I just thought, without trivializing the infraction of a teacher having a sexual liaison with a student, we can all agree Kevin Riley never condoned Milton Buttle's actions. And I don't think that we can agree to that at all. Hey, Your was stop with his- the presses. Whose voice was that? Is there a chance that was Massachusetts himself, Anthony Held, back on the show? Massachusetts. In Massachusetts. 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 Thank God. Sweet, sweet. Massachusetts. So if you're playing at home, Anthony Held was so good on the practice, they wrote him in as a major character on Boston Public as Vice Principal Scott Gruber. So he, of course is back on the practice as a second character. Now, if you are going to come back as a character, as a different character on the practice, you get a little jingle, right? That's how that works. Yeah, for sure. But what if you're Anthony Held, Mr. Massachusetts himself? Well, if you are- It's not like you played a bit part. He was like a huge part. Huge. And so on the on the highest rated episode in the practice's entire history. He even made the uh, splash screen for you, Keith. We sure did. So when you're back, Jorge might have given an assignment, and the assignment came out like this. Do 
We're not supposed to know this slow jam. Been on the show before. Are you chewing the scenery with this? Is that what's happening? Guest star, you've come charging back for more. So welcome back to the practice. We'll pretend that we recognize that you were here before in season four, and you massachute the scenery. First you were a judge who was a bit of a dick. Now you are a teacher who's a bit of a dick. In silence of the lands, you were a bit of a dick. Oh, you outdid yourself. Oh, my God. You get your own bumper. God, that's one, probably the one time we'll ever hear that, too. Keith. That is literally the only time in um, history. Now, we're going to play it at the outro of the episode. That's going to be after the credits roll. We're going to hear it one last time. I quite literally, and I went back and like redid the vocals like twice, and I was telling Jillian, I, I don't know why I'm doing this at all. <laughs> let alone going back and fixing things, because this will only be played once in all of history, and only like like four people are going to hear it even when I do that. And I'm like so like anal, I'm going to go back and fix things on this? Crazy. Oh, uh, anyway. but Keith, for the joy it brought me, it was worth it. <laughs> Excuse me, it's fret. Now, my and question is, is he going to play this character any different, or is it just like a different version of that one guy? It's a really good question. While we can question Kevin's decision Wait, ba- to back it up, because it's a little bit Nothing. of a reference, because they battled as the judge. ...having a sexual liaison with a student. We can all agree Kevin Riley never condoned Milton Buttle's actions. And to- I don't think that we can agree to that at all. Your client was complicit with his silence, Miss Tut. Excuse Same me, guy. it's fret. And while we can question <laughs> Kevin's even gives decision the eye. to remain silent, nothing in his behavior suggests that he either approved of the affair nothing or even... Nothing in his behavior suggests he disapproved of it. That isn't true, Stephen, Kevin, and you... a punishment must be proportionate to the crime. Wouldn't you agree there, Mr. Harper? I would. And does this seem proportionate? Kevin got the same sanction as Milton Buttle. This sounds like an argument you should probably be making with the school board. I, I was hoping it wouldn't have to come to that. Well, I'm afraid it will. My decision is finally here. Folks, you no, obviously the principal and star of the other show. Only guy ever recognized from Boston Public. I swear we're gonna stop interrupting every 10 seconds, but it's kind of a big show, all right? This, of course, is as Principal Harper is Chi McBride. She who well, you would know as the animated voice of Nick Fury. He was in Golden Boy, uh, a t- a TV show with my brother-in-law, Eric. He was in Pushing Daisies, Killer Instinct, The John Larroquette Show, Gone in 60 Seconds, The Terminal, and I, Robot. Well, then, by all means, Mr. Riley, you reinstated. We had no idea Mr. Baluti had an uncle. I don't think we need to get sarcastic. He's such a dick. It's great. What I was about to say, my uncle... He keeps telling me how we need good teachers, how there's this big shortage. And here, 
This is a good one. The reason we need more teachers, Mr. Berluti, is that people are forsaking the profession due to the continuing erosion of respect for educators, which erosion we will never stem until we begin to get serious about weeding out the bad ones. That's a bunch of garbage, Scott. Kevin? Well, you think the teaching profession will flourish with you as the poster boy? Mr. Riley, if Lisa Greer had been one year younger, your face might be appearing on posters along with Milton Buttles. Oh, that's funny. Okay. All right, look, this isn't a decision we made easily but it is one which was nevertheless warranted, and I'll stick by it. If you want to take your case to the school board, you are certainly free to do so. Any other way I can be helpful, Miss Frutt? Well, maybe it's... I feel like he would have been a good I've Steve Harris, too. I've never appeared before the school board before, so oh, I was for wondering... Sure. Does your kind of blatant condescension prove to be persuasive there? I think we're done. No, Mr. Harper. We're not. Yes, I yeah, love a confrontation with that. I thought it was a tape recorder. Where were you keeping it, Mr. Hofstra? Look, I'm not comfortable answering. We're not all going of... anywhere, Mr. Hofstra. You will answer. Oh, you think Helen Gamble's bad? Wait till we hear the questions that Keith Varney has for you. For these questions, <laughs> please sit. This is Fred Sanders. Where were you keeping it? In a safety deposit box. And he instructed you to deliver it to Miss Dole upon his death. Yes. Why didn't you identify it as coming from Mr. Hinks? That was one of the stipulations in the codicil, that he didn't want to be identified. Did you know Mr. Hinks to be an alleged serial killer? Well, certainly he talked about it, but... Miss Gamble, it was a will. I am a trust and a state's attorney. I, I thought it was a tape recorder. I had it in my own safe. I never suspected it to be a bomb. Yeah, I mean, I buy that. Place him under arrest. What? what? Right now it's an accessory to a felony. If Rebecca Washington dies, that felony becomes murder. You can't be serious. Michael. Mr. Hofstra, you can go. Richard. Do not leave the jurisdiction. Now get out. Well, Richard Bay being all reasonable. Can't go, uh, Richard, Helen McRambo on her? Richard, is almost dead. You know me, I like to arrest everybody. But the thing was in his own safety deposit <laughs> box. He clearly didn't think it was a bomb. It's still negligence. He knows the guy. Let the record show. I also find, uh, what's his, what's the actor's name? J uh, uh, Jason Kravitz. Jason Kravitz. I find his eyes to be dreamy, dreamy too. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's a good-looking dude. Be a killer. And even if there were a case, you essentially just squashed it yourself. You didn't Mirandize the guy. Come on. Lawyer or not, he has to be read his rights. Only if it's custodial. Which it became once you wouldn't let him leave. <laughs> Look, emotions are running high here. But there's no case to be no made shit. against this attorney. At least not yet. Yeah. Though there might be a presumption in favor of family members, it's not conclusive. I direct the court's attention in Ray 1987 case in New Jersey. There, the court wanted to vest decisions of medical treatment with the most concerned parties. Wouldn't it be tough to beat the mother on that? Not when the mother is refusing the transfusion, risking the patient's life. There are also two other legal standards being employed by the courts. Best interests of the patient, here again, Saving her life would be in her best interests. Your Honor, this is about a religious choice. <clears throat> the cases Mr. Donald talks about involve medical decisions. Certainly, if Mrs. Washington were trying to impose her medical judgments, the doctors or the courts could step in. That is not what she is doing. 
She is exercising a religious freedom. Yes, the mother's freedom. This does not reflect what Rebecca would want, which brings us to the substituted judgment standard. In the absence of a clear directive from the patient, the court can substitute its judgment for that patient. And in looking to- Hold on, Mr. Donald. Jehovah's Witnesses are against blood transfusions. Is there any dispute about that? It seems then that the only question is whether or not Ms. Washington is in fact a Jehovah's Witness, because if she is... She isn't. We have the declaration of her mother. I can also proffer other Jehovah's Witnesses who've attended meetings with her. Even if she is, I Hold submit on. there are Jehovah's... lawyer from somewhere! Uh, just to point this out, the, uh, CCH's attorney, or Rebecca's mother's attorney, is played by Michael Fairman from Dead Silence, Mulholland Drive, Cagney and Lacey. On Deep Space Nine, he was a vendor in the hands of the prophet Star Trek and was in Quantum Leap. But here's my, here's my question. So Bobby went to uh, Stunt Hunt and uh, asked for this. And so she said, we'll get the mother there in an hour. So in the hour that transpired between those two scenes, uh, Rebecca's mother has her own attorney who is briefed on the case, has other people who can proffer stuff. Like, she moved pretty fast to do all that in an hour. Not the least of which, like, her daughter's, like, in surgery right in the hospital right this very minute. Well, he, she's out of surgery. She was doing well. She's in ICU. Oh, yes. oh so, right, right. Fair enough. Yeah, for me, it's more, the interest for me, for any, we've heard of cases like this, uh, especially, uh, from my memory, it's you, uh, people who are on, uh, they wanted to pull the plug or not pull the plug. I can't remember the specifics, but what I do recall is it's generally minors. And so right. it's, you know, people trying to, the parents are making decisions for their children and people are questioning whether that is the best thing for the child. And it's generally right, revolves right. around religion. This is a grown ass woman. And so, you know, this is a, a cooler, it's more interesting to me because as, like they said, how do you, look, my mom would swear up and down that I'm Catholic. She baptized right. me Catholic. She sure. claims that I'm Catholic, even though I look her in the eye and say, Mom, I'm, I'm not Catholic. Like, that's not my belief system. Right, right, right. So, the and and look, I go to Mass when people are baptized or whatnot. I, I, I still attend certain things, you know, to be respectful, but that doesn't speak to my uh, personal beliefs. So to to preclude me or Rebecca from having a life-saving a transfusion based on what my mom thinks I am is, or okay, I'm conflicting the two things. Well, her mom thinks she is. Yeah. <laughs> Don't no, bring me no. into this. Um, well, is it is really it, interesting? Yeah. I, well, I think it is too. And I, and, and, it, and you're right that when it's dealing with a minor who legally cannot represent themselves. And you see this, this come up a lot with like Christian scientists who will refuse all medical treatment that, uh, you know, the, the, the case there being that the minor cannot represent themselves or their own interests. So uh, they're not in a position to say, I believe this and don't give me this as a, as a part of my faith because they haven't really determined yet as a minor. Uh, and in this case, she, as you said, like she's an, she's an adult. And my thought here was if, okay, if you're an adult and you're competent to make your own decisions and you decide that you don't want treatment for whatever reason, that is your right and should be your right. Mm -hmm. uh, I disagree that you should be able to do that on behalf of children. 
Uh, I believe children need to be treatment. <laughs> you got to gotta treat your kids, guys. I don't care what you think. Let them until they make their own decisions. Um, but if you're going to have a uh, an, an such a strong and unusual belief system, then if it were me, I would make sure that people know about it. I'd have stuff written down. I would have it so that we we don't have to have these fights and and just not fuck everybody over by making everyone guess what I would want under these circumstances. You know, you mentioned the quick turnaround for Rebecca's mother. That's not, let's not uh, understate the quick turnaround for Bobby Donald here. Not but a day or two ago, convicted of first, or uh, acquitted of first degree murder. And here he is back in court, fresh suit, nice and pressed. A day or two. I think this is like the next morning. (laughs) Was witnesses who would he was in jail less than 24 hours ago. Just like there are Catholics who favor birth control and Jews who believe in Jesus. Just because somebody subscribes to a particular religion doesn't mean he or she accepts all the tenets practiced. But certainly the presumption would have to be that she wouldn't want the transfusion. How can you make that presumption when the likely result is death? Shouldn't the benefit of the doubt go to her surviving? Look, unless you can demonstrate that Ms. Washington would accept a transfusion... Can you? I believe with a short evidentiary hearing, we could prove that she would want the transfusion. Yes. Let's go then. Nice one, Bobby. Well, we need an hour to get our witnesses. How could you not be prepared for that? You went in there trying to do that. She's literally hanging by a thread, minute by minute. You were prepared? Actually, Rebecca told you once that she would want the transfusion, right? No, Fox would see through that. I think she told How about when everybody else was in the hospital? How about when Lindsay was stabbed to death? How about when uh, uh, Bobby was in the hospital? At some point in those two events, we've been in the hospital before, Rebecca must have- uh, Brought it up at some point. Well, because, you know, Jimmy got shot. Yep. There's got to. She must have said something or demonstrated it some in some way that she would be helpful towards a blood transfusion or in an event she'd want to live. You know what I mean? Like maybe oh, you know. Although I'd understand Bobby, why she might keep that. I private. can't just let her die. But you're you not going to suborn perjury. Everybody consume me after she wakes no, up. No, Bobby, I won't let you. What are we supposed to do, Lindsay? Sit back. You're and- not going to lie to the court. No, Bobby, you're not going to go back to jail that you were at yesterday. He missed it so much. The food was so good. There were some old fries in there. We're back at the hospital. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Eugene is sitting by Rebecca's bed. Eugene? No change. This is too too fine of a hair for David E. Kelly, Kelly to split, so rather, I imagine they're going to convince the mother rather than win in court. That's my guess currently. They just gave her a CAT scan. Swelling on her brain is going down. That's good. What happened in court? The judge wants a hearing. We have to go back. At least it's not time sensitive. Why are all of you doing this? We love her. I know you do too. Everybody's just trying to do what they think is right. 
so cold. It's the blood loss, Elaine. Her extremities are getting cold. The caliber of the three actors in this room are just like off the charts. Can I ask, what's the harm in giving her blood? It's a biblical prohibition, Eugene. Mother's right here. One of the great things about CCH is that she never does too much. She knows that she has so much personal gravitas, she just doesn't need to do much. Rebecca's lying there. That's not easy to do either. No. There's like a reverence you gotta bring to that. She didn't have to learn any lines. All right, Mr. Donald, let's hear from you. I'd like to call a witness, Your Honor. Yes, I gathered as much. Go ahead. I call ah. Helene Washington to the stand. I'm sorry. What is going on? We're trying to determine Rebecca Washington's hour to intent here. Her mother is claiming she knows that intent I'd like to explore. My client has faced enough persecution, Your Honor. Her daughter is deathly ill. Now she's forced to be in court. Her daughter is deathly ill because of this witness, and we're in court. I object to that. Bobby? Mr. Donald, I am not going to allow you to beat answers out of this witness to bolster. Am I allowed an evidentiary hearing here or not? Forgive my breach of decorum, but get your ass up to this bench right now. Don't make me hire a hitman to not kill you, but just scare you. <laughs> With all due respect to your emotion, and I know it runs deep here, I will not allow you to abuse this process, that woman, or me. Have and I'm auditioning that, to be the new Linda Hunt. Yes. You keep yourself in check and in line. All right, Mrs. Washington, please take the witness chair. We are now headed to Winslow High School, where Boston Legal or Boston Public takes Superintendent place. Superintendent there, Marcia Shin, known as the Dragon Lady. Well, we won't be calling her that. Dragon Lady. That was that was me breathing fire, Keith. In case you didn't <laughs> interpret it, you know I could tell from the little thumbnail of the video of what you were doing, but I, it's hard to tell for the uh, for the audience. But yes, that was very terrifying fire. And the uh, superintendent <laughs> dragon lady is played by Debbie Morgan from Eve's Bayou, The Hurricane, All My Children, and she's all that, and is a uh, recurring character on Boston. Okay, let's Public. get started. This meeting of the Winslow School Board is hereby called to order. Karen Sawyer will be recording minutes. We ought to review Principal Harper's decision to terminate the... It's time for context that maybe Keith will know. <laughs> yes, so it's, it so it's, We know it's sweeps week, so we know we're, why we're pulling out all the stops and we're trying to cross over and we've made whatever agreement to Fox that we needed to to get this right. thing happening. Right. But at this time, we know that the... Uh, the practice had crested as far as its popularity and was it was holding steady but where was boston public was it a was it a hit this was uh 
midway through the first season of Boston Public. And so it was still trying to find its feet, a bit of a scrappy underdog. You know, as a as a series, it lasted four seasons, um, but it definitely retooled a bit uh, midway through and brought in, uh, it brought in Jerry Ryan, uh, Seven of Nine, as uh, to help with the ratings, and it did for a while. So they were still finding their way, just like you're finding your way to oxygen. What's going on over there? <laughs> breathe, Mike, breathe. So do you need a new kidney? I think Mike needs a new kidney. Quick, Phoenix, get him a kidney. I thought I was so, <coughs> so clever <laughs> because I found out how to mi- mute my microphone. And so I asked Jen to bring me coffee and ginger snaps as like a little pre- little snack. <clears throat> Some strong snaps, apparently. Uh, no, I just straight up choked on it. Scene. Nice. <laughs> Scene. Employment of Kevin Riley. Now, Mr. Harper, we'll begin with you. Could you briefly state the cause you know that of guy discharge too, and uh, please <laughs> yes, limit yourself? Yes, we do. Minutes. This is Michael Fairman as the school board president. One of Let's my hope he's fair, man. was sleeping with a student. Uh, Kevin Riley knew about it and sent on the information. Chief McBride knows how to own a room. If I have any time left over, I'd like to give it to Miss Fred. Well, here's, <clears throat> here's hoping you know how to own a house at some point, Keith. Uh. How long have we known each other, Helene? More than 10 years. And over that time, I've seen your daughter almost every single day, haven't I? I'm sure that's true. How often do you see her? Not as much as I'd like. One day a week? Less? Less. But that doesn't mean that we're not close. No, it doesn't. But can you make room for the possibility that I know more about her life than perhaps you do? I'm sure you know lots of things about her I don't. But clearly you had little ideas to her religious beliefs. Which is odd, isn't it? Isn't it customary for Jehovah's Witnesses to preach their faith to others? Not all Jehovah's Witnesses are comfortable doing that. Not all. We're talking about Rebecca. Have you ever known Rebecca to be shy or uncomfortable expressing her opinion? No. But perhaps she feared bigotry. Not everybody's as open-minded as you, Bobby. Yes, let's talk about bigotry. Have you ever known Rebecca to be guilty of bigotry? She's smart. In fact, I don't know anybody who rebels against oppression or prejudice more than her. Do you? Probably not. How do Jehovah's Witnesses feel about homosexuals? Homosexuality is considered a sin. Have you ever known Rebecca to condemn homosexuality? No. What about divorce? Under your faith, a married couple is only allowed to divorce in cases of adultery. Anything else would be a sin. Am I right? Yes. Tricky writing, Keith. You can speak as a writer. Because you sure as hell don't want to condemn said religion. Uh, yet you have to draw this juxtaposition between those tenets of the belief and the matter at hand. <clears throat> yeah, it is. It, it's a really, it, it is dicey because you, you really have to write carefully. And I think the, the way you do that, uh, and it's, it's hard to, it's hard to even do this without looking like you're putting your thumb on the scale, which is super dicey. Um, but I think you you just let the 
the religion or whoever's speaking for it just speak for themselves and just you know lay it out like you would in the courtroom without uh without sort of like the emotional or the editorial parts just lay out this is what this is and let people make their own decisions about whether or not that's crazy or not and I think that is and yet Rebecca what has represented clients here. negotiated even facilitated divorces in cases other than adultery. Is that consistent with being a Jehovah's Witness? My daughter and is against blood specifically transfusion. Specifically here, what Bobby is, in, in what he's doing here, he's, he's sort of coming at it obliquely from, a, from, a, from another angle where he's not arguing whether or not Jehovah's Witnesses have, should have the right to whatever or whether or not that makes any sense. He's arguing whether or not Rebecca believes that without necessarily calling balls or strikes on what that belief means or whether or not that's a good or bad thing. Yeah, I suppose if you can demonstrate that she is not, she may be a Jehovah's Witness, a witness, but she's a Jehovah's Witness who does not follow the, the each and every tenet to the letter of the law, right. right? Because then you can then call into question, well, does she believe this one specific one? Can you say without any doubt that she believes a, she's against transfusions? Because if you can't, then you're not a witness that can speak to it. Yep, perfect. Exactly. She said that to you specifically. She didn't have to say it specifically. It's fundamental to our faith. Leviticus says, whatsoever man eateth any manner of blood, he will cut him off from among his people. So she might be against transfusions, but not necessarily homosexuals and divorce. Objection. Your Honor, Rebecca Washington's life is at stake here. Her life. If there's even a question as to whether she really is a Jehovah's Witness... There is no question. Rebecca mm. has a problem with bigotry. I grant you she probably does disagree with the condemnation of homosexuality, but... What about but... premarital sex? That's a sin, too, according to the Jehovah's Witness faith. Does your daughter condemn premarital sex? Mm. I'm sure she may have issue with some of our tenets. But as for our fundamental ones... And this would be... When she became a lawyer, did you attend her swearing-in ceremony? Yes, I did, and you were there, too. <clears throat> I remember her pledging allegiance to the flag. That's against your religion, isn't it? As you long were as she so don't on top of this episode. She was saying the words, pledging her allegiance to an emblem. That's a big one. That's a fundamental one. That one I know. What about abortion? I had a friend, a Jehovah's Witness. You know what? It doesn't matter... It's not specific to the Jehovah's Witness, but I just found this. This is just speaking to their, uh, that, that dedication to said faith. So we were at a Christmas party. We're in high school at the time. And my friend uh, Jeanette, who has gone on to actually do uh, greeting cards uh, professionally. <clears throat> and she had started even then, and she had made, she had crafted personal greeting cards, like, illustrated them, wrote the copy, everything for each individual person in this group at this party we were at and gave them all to us for the holidays. Uh, she was even specific not to <clears throat> mention Christmas or Hanukkah or any specific religious holiday as to not offend this one person. Sure. And still, in front of everybody, he refused to accept the card, which is totally understandable. I get it. But, you know, there's... even. To a person who is not specifically religiously inclined, you would think, well, just 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 accept it. You don't have to believe it and just take it as a gesture. But even that goes against 
I guess, the rule of the law. And I'm, I'm not I'm not condemning him as a person or anything. I'm just saying that's it's a serious well, business. So this so no, pledging I, the allegiance to the flag is is a deal. It's a big is deal. It, is it? Is it? Yeah. Well, and I in I certainly in my own life uh, with my religious beliefs and or perhaps lack of them when I was in a like very militant defensive place, I felt it necessary when somebody said Merry Christmas or God bless or whatever, I would like bristle and like, how, how, why would you assume that I blah, 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 blah. And I think it sort of speaks to a, uh, a, a lack of flexibility mm-hmm. that comes from immaturity and not really taking things as they're intended, even if I don't necessarily believe the same thing. If somebody wishes me well, I receive that as them wishing me well. And I don't need to like, well, fuck you for blah, 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 blah. It's it's a really interesting like journey that I think many of us go on in how militant we are about that type of belief, whether you believe in a faith or you don't believe in a faith, like the sort of militancy of it, I think, speaks to a lack of security. You know, to counterpoint, Bobby, and my my own self, my story right there, my other colleague, friend, friend, dear friend, actually, that was uh, is a Jehovah's Witness, I worked with for going on four to five years. We discussed many things, uh, my personal life, her personal life, and had many off-color jokes, and we spent holidays together, many things. It wasn't until last year when she reached out and had I, I talked about this on the pod and sort of tried to save me or convert right. me or whatever right, that I even right. knew she was a Jehovah's Witness. So yeah. there are shades of gray in, in everything, you know, and and uh, yeah, I don't know what context is. that brings, but that's prohibited by your religion, isn't it? It's a continuing right. discussion we've had. Would you consider that one of the fundamental tenets? I would. Would Rebecca ever have an abortion? Absolutely not. Got her. Did you know she had one? Nailed it. I mean, I mean, yikes! That is. Did you know your daughter? Had life an and death. Life. life and death, Keith. Yeah, life and death. It's like necessary because of the stakes, but oof, it's not that a gotcha. It's a rough, no. it's a I mean, rough it is thing a gotcha. to do to both sides of that party. Homosexuality, divorce, premarital sex, saluting flags, abortion. Jehovah's Witnesses are against all these things, yet Rebecca doesn't condemn any of them. She is not a Jehovah's Witness. She is. And she's against blood transfusions. Why doesn't she carry a blood card? Jehovah's typically carry blood cards to prevent transfusions, don't they? It is not a requirement. But if she Bobby really did his homework in that hour. Such a transfusion. Did she just she forget sure to put it in her wallet, Helene? Objection! It's your own daughter, for God's sake. Your Honor. You're letting her die. Counsel. Objection! Your own daughter. You're letting this this voodoo. Objection! Mr. Oh, Donald. Shit. Your own daughter. And him great. calling it. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say great scene though, because whereas Bobby generally we see him in this type of exchange, it's a plan B. And he's, it's a tactical attack. This is not that. You can see that he's just passionate. Yeah, and it's it's very personal. And I I will say the him calling it voodoo is the first piece of yeah. like clunky writing here because I think it's so well thought out, so well argued. And I understand from David E. Kelly's point of view, he we have to see Bobby make the mistake in the personalizing it and in the judgment of the faith. 
because it, 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 it's shorthand, because it's TV, you couldn't really do it in a subtle way because you have to do it so quickly. But it's really, I, it, it is a little bit like over the top that he would use exactly that phrase. I think think if, yeah. if we had a little bit more time, we could have done, expressed that exact same thing, which I think was necessary in a slightly more nuanced way. Yeah, and Kelly's is spoiled. Even with Jimmy, you know, you could you could say that a lot of his sort of conservative, overtly conservative beliefs came across a little ham-fisted. But when you are able to, when you have the luxury of putting said clunky dialogue in the hands of such capable actors, you know that you have sort of a built-in band-aid, you know? Yeah, you do. As you go through the teacher's handbook, the principal's bylines, and the board's own directives, nowhere does it call for a teacher's discharge for failing to report the misconduct of another teacher. Are you claiming that Mr. Harper had no authority to fire Mr. Riley? I am saying he had discretion. And given that, we should look at Mr. Riley's record in its totality. And in so- If you're admitting this is discretionary, Ms. Freud, what's the basis of your challenge? I am saying Mr. Harper's decision was an abuse of his discretion. To terminate- Do you agree Milton Buttle should have been fired? Yes, but- What if Milton Buttle had carried on this affair using Kevin Riley's apartment? That never happened. I'm asking you, what if it did? If Mr. Riley had offered up the keys to his apartment? That might be participation, but I- What if he just offered words of encouragement? Go for it, Milt. Would he have crossed the line there? I think yes, but again, he didn't do that. Maybe not, but saying nothing? Can't that be construed as tacit approval? He did say something to Milton Buttle. He unequivocally denounced the relationship and told him to end it. He only was silent with Stephen Harper and Scott Goober. Okay, I think his last name is Goober. It sure is. (laughs) You know my position. I mean, to write him into the another show makes perfect sense. He's amazing. But then to bring that character back onto your show where he's already played a big character is just so silly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, this is, it's, it, it's Fox or them returning the favor to Fox because yeah. McBeal. them, you know, Fox letting the them cross over with Ali McBeal when it was a Riley. hit, save the Thank practice. You. Now the this practice is trying to save. Wait a second. What's the Boston rush? Public. You have an appropriate remedy with the court. Should you choose to appeal? The hell was that, Stephen? Kevin. It's also not sacred, right? It's not sacrosanct. Like, plenty of shows recast entire actors. Oh, it happens all the time. Yeah. It's it's showbiz, kids. And you would not want to take the opportunity. You start taking responsibility. Ms. Fred, for the record, I'm 100% on the side of... I'm the school sorry. here. That was in the bag. Like a teacher having an affair with a student, and you know about it, Virtually and you don't tell the them. That's absolutely them. a fireable. The offense courts are book. trying to make these tough decisions. They've involved comatose or vegetative patients. The choice was basically death I, uh, versus vegetable. I've actually been in almost that exact. I was not party to it, but I was aware of something taking place, and, and I'll tell you about it off air. Yeah. Well. Well. Yes. Here. The choice is death. Is this closing time? Oh, uh, yes it is. Hold on. It's It's closing time. I was a half step down. Put your case to bed. 
Can Bobby save Rebecca's life? Versus full quality of life, complete recovery. The same legal standards can apply. If there's any doubt, I say it again, it has to be in favor of Rebecca Washington's life. But counsel, I would agree if this was a medical decision. But again, this involves a person's religious freedom. And I submit she's not a Jehovah's Witness, not for real. They've given me an affidavit from her fellow congregants, her mother. Rebecca and her mother were estranged years ago. Maybe she joined this church to work on their relationship. You're groping. I have worked side by side with Rebecca Washington for 12 Grasping. years. I know her. <laughs> is you, is you she doesn't that? go around preaching to people. You're groping, groping. not your grasping. Homosexuality. Who, who is he groping? You think that's, you think that's, uh, she misquoted the script or? I would be, I would guess that she said it wrong and nobody caught it until edit. And they're like, fuck. But I, but you know, if, if they had, they would have ADR'd it. There's no reason not to ADR that. It feels like it's, it's grasping, but with, with, but less, but a little more unsavory. <laughs> That's, you know, national uh, anthem. She doesn't Jorge, if you can find the script for this sex. episode, I'd love to know what she it's She had saying. an abortion herself. She represents clients in divorce cases. None of this it is reconcilable with her being it a does. Jehovah's Witness. None of it. And if you want to believe she is, you have to believe she's the kind that doesn't subscribe to all its tenets. And given that, given the possibility that she might not subscribe to the prohibition on transfusions, if there's any question here, please, Give her the benefit of life. I love this woman. But the doctors can't save her unless you allow them to. I think I'm Team Bobby here. I think he's I think he's won this case. Oh, I, I completely do. I think the I think if you are going to ref- refuse treatment, right, then the burden of proof should be on the person who's refusing the life-saving thing. Also, so, yeah, go ahead. It's, it's nice to see Bobby fighting so hard for somebody other than Bruce Davidson. Well, right, exactly. Somebody that, and this is what we're talking about through the Bruce thing, like, let's see you go nuts fighting for somebody we care about, and we care right. about Rebecca. No. Yep. Your Honor, right. may I be heard? I'm CCH Pounder. I do my own fucking closing time. Fan. <laughs> I know my daughter. We've talked many hours about our faith. She is a Jehovah's Witness. For a Jehovah's Witness, it is against God's law to accept blood. There is no question there. There is no dispute about that. It is the most fundamental of all our tenets. Bobby Donald gave himself away when he called our faith voodoo. Voodoo. I'm sure to him it is voodoo. That freedom of religion 
extends to all religions. So what's he going to lose and Rebecca's just going to wake up? Whether Bobby Donald considers them reasonable or not. For all the shit I talk, Keith, I never really guessed the ending well. You, you get a lot right, though. You get way more than you ought to. How uncomfortable, though, if she wakes up without the transfusion and Bobby's got to be like, yeah, listen, your mom wanted you to die and I so, told her about the abortion, so enjoy that. I got uh, some business to take care of. Bye-bye. So your mom tried to kill you and I told her about the abortion. <laughs> like, yeah. hope you feel better. Uh, Sorry by I the way, blew you up in the place of work. Uh, yeah, but uh, Lucy, uh, she's at work. She, she's got a couple messages for you. Yeah, no, actually, you know what? It's still a weekday. There's still four more hours <laughs> in the workday. And as a minor partner, you've got some work to do. By the way. There's, a, yeah, there's something about God. a teacher banging some student. Yeah. TPS you report's not going to file itself. <laughs> Oh, look at that out-of-focus Best I can figure. Harper and Shin have butted heads all year, and she's just trying to show support. Does she control the board? Jesus, you can't even spring for, like, a temp office, Bobby? You just got the, the contractors there working while everybody's trying to conduct legal business? Isn't that, like, defy some sort of ethics? Well, and also, can't, like, can't the firm, like, take a day off? Yeah. A lot's been going on. Like, you 24 know, like, hours. Just, yeah, just something. Like a three-day weekend, maybe. All right, look. In victory, you can catch people at their most gracious. So what I'd like to do is take one last crack at Harper. If he's as fair-minded as you say, although personally I have not seen that yet. Any word? Her blood pressure has dropped to 90 and her heart rate is still really high. Did Fox say when she'd rule? She promised by tonight. Oh yeah, take your time. Yeah. I mean, it's sweeps weeks. Gotta be some good TV on tonight. Also, I love that we're doing a uh, crossover and the judge's last name is Fox. Ooh, good point. Surprise. Circumstantial, actually. Because that character's name had been established yeah. long before. People have a right to refuse medical treatment on religious grounds. Whether or not Rebecca Washington would refuse a blood transfusion, the truth is nobody here knows for sure. Accurate. As a Jehovah's Witness, my suspicion is she would. And therefore, I shift the burden to Mr. Donald to prove otherwise. The fact that Ms. Washington rejected other tenets of this faith does not persuade me she'd reject this one. The fact remains the tenet on transfusions. That goes to the core of the Jehovah's Witness religion in that God treats blood as sacred. Mrs. Washington, are you sure this is what your daughter would want? I am, Your Honor. Jesus Christ. Petitioner's motion for a court order is denied. She is going to die. We're adjourned. She is going to die. Counsel. I don't care. You want to hold me in contempt, do it. I don't care. She oh, is going to die. I will. It's sweep weeps, baby. Contempt. I'm taking this oh, to we the court water, of appeals bro. now. Oh, my God. Oh. Sweeps. Sweeps. Oh, sweeps. God. Sweeps. Lindsay's down. Paramedics. Oh, 
I'm Lindsay needs a kidney. Let me see. Oh God, she's coming out. She's oh, gonna have a kid. Knee. Did she just say the baby's coming out? It's not she's just a, water break. She's about to have a kidney. Are we gonna have a baby? Ooh. Oh, he's coming. He's coming. Trying to get out of this room now, and that's an order. I was a nurse. Uh, Lindsay, hold on. Help is coming. Oh my God, he's not waiting. He's coming. He's not. Oh, and Rebecca's mom's gonna deliver the baby. They keep. It's all happening. On your back. Get on your back. I guess we should name it Rebecca. Okay. I think we should name it Rebecca's mom. She's about to deliver it. On a count of three. One, two, three. The judge is holding her. Lindsay's pushing. Rebecca's mom is delivering. And she's delivering this baby in like maybe 90 seconds. From water break to baby. Hold on, Lindsay. You've heard of four day labor? Have you heard of four second labor? Shut up, you hold on. We don't have time, Mike. It's a crossover episode. We're gonna need a comedic beat. Give Lindsay a funny line for no apparent reason. <laughs> uh, now we're at Boston Public. Officially, right? We're on set at Boston Public. Yep. It's eight o'clock. I took a guess. From your weak social skills, I figured you'd have no personal life and that you'd still be working. Oh, I like that. Can I steal it? Feel free. Have a seat. I know you can. But do you have to? You don't give up, do you? Well, the book on you is that you are both compassionate and stubborn. I've seen the stubborn. And the book on you and is floundering in the rating cases. Well, Kevin is also mm -hmm. a friend. And I thought he was one of yours. Yeah, which would make his lying to me even more egregious, wouldn't it? Is that why we're here? Because he lied. I'm here trying to run a school. You're here apparently to try to tell me how to. I am only here to try to get you to reconsider. Asked and answered. Isn't that how it goes? Look. Zing. I did not come here to fight, and I don't really want to go to court. I'm also pregnant. Two weeks suspension. <laughs> that way. I don't have the authority to suspend. Now, Keith, what if her water breaks and he delivers the baby? Now we're talking oh! sweets. Suspend him. <laughs> Why not? He doesn't work here anymore. He was fired. The teachers union have had something to say Do about that. Do you want to go to court, Mr. Harper? Yeah, they, they addressed it. Is that what it. you really, really want? Was I choking on a ginger snap? Probably. Seems I do. I mean, I can't tell if they're going to make out or there's a lot of sexual tension betwixt them. I I think that would be a great storyline. It's hard, honey. One, two, three. Yeah! Kelly Williams is giving it. Uh, where, where? Where do you think? You're one last push away, okay? Now I want you to bear down and push. Okay. Push hard. Okay, Nobody push. thought to call the paramedics or whatever. Push hard. Here it comes. Okay, here it comes. Oh here it comes. Here it comes. Oh. We got a boy. Oh my God, it's a six-month-old baby. Oh, he's a beauty. <laughs> With oh, no umbilical cord, apparently. Is he okay? That's true. He's perfect. <laughs> At all. Just literally no umbilical cord. Bobby. 
It's a miracle baby. It, it's six months old and has no umbilical. You are a big help. <laughs> That's a really good catch. Nessia, please. <laughs> it's a six month old baby. <laughs> with no umbilical cord. Oh, with lots of hair. Yeah, it's like, hey, what's up, Lindsay? He's got some grape jelly on his hair. He's like, uh, hey, Kelly, what you doing after? In the courtroom? Want to get, get a drink? <laughs> my, my. And, uh, and, and Lindsay. She make, make, making me happy. Uh, are you guys coming here to this hospital? Right. Meanwhile, the, the fate of Rebecca well, uh, still hangs in the balance. I don't know what to say, Bobby. Congratulations, man. Uh, she's doing the same. I'm gonna give you this news. Maybe that'll wake her up. Okay. See you later. You're not gonna believe this, Becky. Bobby and Lindsay just had a baby boy. Your mom delivered him. She had him right in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. How about that? Stunt Linda Hunt was there making Mysterious quips. Ways, huh? There was one too many quips in that scene, by the way. Somehow you were. That's true. We're we not going to get resolution on Beck here. We got only three minutes. You show me another woman on the planet who looks that beautiful minutes after having a child. And Marla, after having been blown up. You okay? Going to work. <laughs> Clocking in. I'm fine. Short labor. God, look at him. Does he have a name? Robert. You named him after you? What a shock. Here's my page. I'm waiting for a call from the Any chance with Beck? No. It's possible it's entirely that Entirely in keeping with the character, Where's though. Bobby? I'll be right there. Yes. I need you and Eleanor to get on Westlaw, see if there's any new cases. All our research is in here. Her heart rate's still too high. Has it gone up anymore? Nobody no, it's sleeps. still 140, but that's dangerous, Mrs. Washington. But it hasn't gotten any worse. No. Well, there's that then. Hey, baby. Is this the, uh, the same hospital room that Jimmy was in and he threw that guy out the window of? Yes. So has she been in a coma or just sleep? Look at coma. No change? No. Congratulations. Thank you. Sorry I grabbed your dick. Is this fine? She's in the room. Go up and see her. I'm not. <laughs> hey, Beck. You're a godmother now. Get to work. Seven pounds, two ounces. I was about to be in prison and my wife was going to be murdered, Thank so you. probably going to need to take over this baby pretty soon. No, I just need for you to wake up. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Don't remind me. Now we're all praying. Wow, they really... 
kind of knocked it out of the park. That's a great episode. It sweeps, baby, sweeps. Wow, so much happened. Woo. I guess we should talk about it. So go ahead and jump over back to the YouTubes because... If you care to see us talk about it. Yeah, otherwise, you know... I'm not sure I would. Keep listening. Yeah, you know how it works. All right, we'll be, we'll be with you in just a second. And we are back, baby. Woo! Baby got babied. Wow, there was a lot happening in that? A lot, yeah. That was, a, that was an action-packed episode with so many things, and we need to discuss it. But before we discuss it, Mike has to tell us uh, what happened. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. It's sweet, sweet, baby, and everybody's pregnant. Rebecca got blowed up. Lucy did too, but she's back at work. Rebecca's in the hospital. Her mom comes. She's like, hey, she's a Jehovah's Witness. You cannot give her blood. Bobby's like, we gotta give her blood. So they go to court, and Bobby's like, yo, this is some voodoo. But also, she had an abortion. She did this. She did that. She's not a Jehovah's Witness. Her mom's like, yeah, but she is. Uh, Bush League... Linda Hunt's like, yeah, he, she's right. She doesn't get the blood. So now, uh, Lindsay has the baby with her mom, but she doesn't have an umbilical cord, and now Rebecca's still in a coma. And stuff and happened crossed, with Boston. And Boston Public happened. And we crossed over with another show. 30 seconds, man. 30 seconds. No. All right. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's throw out some awards, shall we? In a segment Ladies we call... The Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the oopsies? Well, I'll tell you, Jackie. They are a fake award show that we do at the end of every episode of The Practice because Lord knows we need more awards. Let's start with... Oh, that's me. Uh, that's you, yeah. You know, sometimes, Keith, value is in our hearts. <laughs> and for me, it was nice to see Bobby Donnell lawyering with high stakes for someone he cares about and someone who deserves it, and that's Rebecca. He wasn't calling her religion bull crap. He was just saying that she should be given the benefit. Uh, yeah. She should be given the benefit to make that decision on her home, on her own. And he did it. He did all of this hours coming after coming out of prison. And whilst his wife was still uh, getting ready to baby, and his best buddy was in the hospital, and the office had to be blowed up. So uh, that's quite a bit of value packed into uh, a 24 hours work for Bobby Donald. So I'm, I'm going to give my vote to Bobby Donald, even though he lost. But in doing so, he uh, he reclaimed a little bit of my respect, which he's been hemorrhaging lately. Yeah, okay. Well, I think we're going to do a, a reverse of what we normally do. 
where uh, I'm usually the one arguing against, uh, even though they lost, they did the good effort. And I think that Bobby, up until the point of the slip, did a tremendous job. But that mistake really fucked him. Uh, but you know who came in with the clothes and actually won the case with a really different, won the case to kill her own daughter, but it worked, is Helene Washington. I got to give it to CCH Pounder. I mean, you know, it's, she got her own closing time. She's not a lawyer, but she made it happen and she won the case. So uh, for me, I got to give it to Helene Washington. So congratulations, Helene Washington and Bobby Donald with your MBLs. Coming up next, kind of an obvious one. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Watch the first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best <laughs> guest actor on the episode. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Kids, how many of you are doing the choreography at home? That's the question. <laughs> you know, it's never out of my mind that we're complete idiots, but sometimes <laughs> sometimes it, it, it dawns on me just the extent of idiots that we are. We have been talking for like two and a half fucking hours <laughs> at this point for no reason. It dawns no on me. Whatsoever. It dawns on me, Keith, that we had a whole crossover episode and none of these people will be winning at an oopsie. That's true. Because That's true. I believe we're going to be unanimous on Pounder here. And uh, yeah. she she did her own lawyering. She was able to be sympathetic, even in the face, in, in the fact that it might cause one of our favorite characters to die. Uh, and it's tough, too, because, you know, you've got to heighten those stakes, even though the audience probably doesn't actually think Rebecca's going to die. Right. You know? So that's a tough... Well, we'll talk more about that when we get to yeah. to, to tires. Uh, I just think not only did she, she didn't steal every scene she was in, she rightfully earned every scene she was in and and then delivered a baby. So that's, that's yeah. my vote. Yeah, I mean, the word I would give for what she did there was grounded and and very sort of, you know, like I said before, like CCH Pounder has such gravitas just as a person. She walks on the screen. You're like, okay, here we are. And the risk in a situation like this is to do too much. You know, mm -hmm. the stakes are very, very high. She's handed a, a difficult hand to play. I mean, she's arguing not to save her own daughter and is able to spin that underplaying and gravitas into like she makes some very good points and is a very credible person that we care about and we know cares about Rebecca even though she's making the argument that she's making and is able to show all of the emotion without having to like spit tears and uh you know come on CCH pounder obviously you get the oopsie congratulations you know I think it's that gravitas that gravitas that might actually have kept her from being CJ on the West Wing because one of the things I love about CJ is that she still has a little bit of like goofy youth to her as well. Uh -huh. And I think that, though I don't know if that was written originally, but I think that's one of the things I love about CJ. And I don't know that you get you would get that color as as loud and clear 
uh, in a pounder performance. Well, it would definitely be a very different character. CJ would have been a different character. CJ, I think, would have lived somewhere between Toby and Leo. Mm-hmm. And and it would have been, you know, because you have all of Leo's gravitas with some of Toby's, like, soulfulness and darkness. It would, it would have been very interesting. But, you know, you know, as, just but as CCH an aside. is also very funny. Like, she had some really funny stuff in uh, in The Shield. That's why casting, I think, is an underrated importance. You know, there are hundreds of thousands of talented actors who could absolutely destroy in the best positive p- possible way any any yeah. role but it's that specific actor and that specific alchemy between actors that makes it good well you will stay on this analogy of the west wing watch the reunion special um what's his name uh sterling k brown sterling k brown is absolutely a phenomenal actor in everything he does and brings such a weight to the role of leo uh and does it beautifully in that reunion but it's not the same it's well and and i think there also becomes a sort of shark eating its own tail, snake eating its own tail it'd be An difficult for a to do it <laughs> is yes uh in that you write the pilot and you cast character characters i'm tired actors to match those characters and then as the show goes forward you write the characters to match the actors because mm. they start to influence the storylines totally. and you know like and you 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 can take things in in different directions based on who you have as an actor. All right, let's move forward and hand out our you killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. Guys, it's time that the rightful heir of the practice throne retake said throne. I think we got to see Dylan McDermott on an episode where we talked about him using poison and personal tragedy to influence his characters and influence his life. Mm. I think he got to show all those colors this week. He got to be uh, show his love to Rebecca, show his love to his new baby, uh, and also show defiance and fight for Rebecca against her mother while still showing compassion towards that character. And yep. it's a color we they, we haven't seen Bobby given lately. Uh, a lot of grays. And Dylan was able to navigate that, even having been sort of written into a corner lately. And I, I think that, that he overcame a lot of that writing in order to, to give just one of his better performances of the entire season this week. Yeah, no, totally agreed. It, it was great to see classic Bobby back and and dylan just nailed it and he had to like you know had his kid we got to watch him watch Mm -hmm. his wife give birth to a 40 year old so uh congrats like yeah it was it was a really good performance for for dylan so congratulations dylan mcdermott on your oopsie next up the tom brady award for being tom brady uh last week's tom brady which was remind me Tom Brady, but Tom Brady throwing a literal bomb. Tom Brady. Oh, I can't wait. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's up there. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Keith. Sorry, I don't How live on our you. Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> this week, this week, I would like to see uh, Tom Brady 
having a baby being delivered by Pounder, Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady having a baby delivered by CCH Pounder, Tom Brady. That's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of work. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Congratulations, While Tom you're Brady. Packing up. Well, you've already having packed, a baby so. being delivered by CCH Pounder, Tom Brady. There's only one more thing to do. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. So I thought this was a episode of The Practice firing on all cylinders. There was a huge table set last week, and I think for the most part, we uh, we followed that up uh, successfully. My only, I got a couple of things, and one of them is... I felt like the crossover portion was totally unnecessary and sort of wasted, right? Like you'd think they could just use that as the sort of focus, but I guess mm-hmm. I guess it continues, right? Because we didn't really get oh, any yes. sort of resolution. You, you realize next week on Oops, we're doing an episode of Boston Public. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, we're good. We got a crossover's got to go both ways. Oh, okay. Well, okay, then I'll cut it a little more slack. Because it just felt a little like overshadowed by the huge drama happening over in the other situation. And aside from awesome chemistry between Cameron and, I'm sorry, the other gentleman. Chi McBride. Yeah. The story just seemed sort of like, okay. But now knowing that we're going to, okay, I'm going to cut it some slack. Uh, Still, like I had mentioned earlier, I thought we really traversed some really delicate waters uh, discussing religion, discussing patients' rights, discussing, uh, we even had a baby. And I tell you what, th- that could have been a Bobby McRambo scene that just seemed totally out of nowhere. And though, yes, it was a little ridiculous. It didn't feel that way in the sort of heightened sense of the world and where we've been all episode. It felt I was into it. Also handled deftly by some incredible acting across the board. Did we have some major oversights? Like, uh, no paramedics being on the scene and the baby being a full-grown baby and being no umbilical cord. And let me tell you, that's not just like us nitpicking. They show the baby's belly when it comes out. There's nothing attached to it. Looks like uh, mine. Yeah. So there were some things that keep it from being like top of the chain, but I enjoyed it. I'm I'm willing to fudge my numbers should Keith highlight anything that I've overlooked, but I'm going to give it a solid 8.17 spare tires. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on, on all of that. Um, uh, I, I agree with you. I really liked how deftly they handled uh, the sort of religious story. I liked that we had such super high stakes. Um, uh, CCH Pounder coming in and playing Rebecca's mother, like what a great thing to have there. I I, I liked all of that. Uh, I agree with you that the um, the crossover definitely feels shoehorned. It feels shoehorned in. It's not really realistic that they would even bother with that case at this particular time because the natural s- situation is they're like, hey, buddy, who I know from a long time ago, sorry, my office blew up. My best friend is dying in the hospital. I'm pregnant. Uh, here's a referral to a guy who's available because <laughs> it's a little bit silly. Yeah, yes. 
like Lindsay sh- or Lucy should be at home resting and Cameron <laughs> yeah. and Jimmy should be at the hospital with, with, with Eugene. Although you yeah. only are allowed one person in ICU, although that's refuted in the end when they're all there. Right. And, you know, and look, I get it that TV, TV. they did they did sort of address it by saying like, hey, let's distract ourselves. We can't do anything about it. Like, I get it. I, and and yes, but like it is a little shoehorned. And the, the stakes of that case felt so low compared to the stakes of the other case. I think that's what made it feel yeah. more shoehorned was that like, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know, like this. And, you know, it's a little more complicated once we get into the real situation. But like, Let's face it, you're defending a client who should have been fired. I'm sorry. Teacher is having an affair with a student and a teach, another teacher knows about it. I don't care if he's your friend. I don't care if you're trying to talk him out of it. I don't care if what or whatever, whatever. Sorry, you have a duty to report. It's like, it's like, it, it, it's not like reporting child abuse when you see it. It actually is reporting child abuse. And technically on the show, she's 18, but who cares? She's a student. It doesn't matter. So, uh, and I believe that teachers have a duty to report legally on top of just ethically. So fuck him. He should have been fired. Uh, yeah, the, the baby in the courtroom, it's fun. It was surprising. I was surprised by it. And, and that, and that part of it was fun. I liked sort of the, symbolism of being born in the courtroom from a parent of you know, with two lawyers for parents it it does a little bit feel like a missed opportunity that we could have made the pregnancy a whole story in itself uh but we have another one so we'll see what happens with that uh so i i will say though they did give away that she was going to have the baby earlier in the episode. Because if you're paying really close attention, which Lord knows we aren't. I am not. There was a little throwaway, little throwaway line that Lindsay had in an earlier scene where she complained about back pain. Mm. Now, uh, we know the rules of Chekhov's back pain that you can't just drop in a random thing like that, that it's not going to pay off into something exciting. So uh, it's it's like it's Chekhov's guns, Chekhov's cough, Chekhov's back pain, whatever. Somebody coughs, they're going to die. If somebody has back pain, they're going to have a baby or something crazy. So if you're paying attention, you knew that was coming. Uh-oh. And now we're going to... You do that <laughs> every time. <laughs> I thought for sure I turned time. it off too this time. Uh, no, it, it's fun, funny too because... I would have sworn up and down, especially knowing how David E. Kelly likes to write a huge season finale. Let's go to, uh, let's go to, uh, oh my God, what's the name of that baseball field? Oh, the Green Monster. The Reds? I'm not Boston, helping you. Uh, 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 You're the baseball fan, not me. Oh my God, Fenway Park. Oh my God. There it is. I thought I'm for sure we were closing the season with Rebecca and, uh, Eleanor having their babies together. Like, I, I would have put money on it, but not to be. We're going to have it in no. the courtroom. Uh, but I was not ready for for Lindsay to have that baby today. So, uh, no, they got neither me. was she. That's a good point. But Cece Pounder right. was. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I have to give some tires. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so I'll uh, take that. Uh, yes. No, I, you know, I, I think you're right. I, I found it a very entertaining episode. And as I was 
you know, I, I was watching Boston Public at that same time because of my both my parents were public school teachers. And of course, it, I like David e. Kelly. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it uh, similar to you. I'm going to give it an 8.09 spare okay. tires. So, uh, so that there you go. That should be interesting. Calculator time. Yeah, well, that, at least it won't be a tie. Okay, folks, you have listened to, once again, possibly, is it our longest episode ever? Good no, Lord. We last got, week was we definitely gotta, longer. We got to tighten this shit. Oh, my Lord. All right, if you'd like to uh, reach out and complain about how long this damn episode was, you can reach us on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. You can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can check out our blog. Or you can find out how the ties broke down at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. Do us a huge favor. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service. Just let us know. It would really help us build our audience. This episode of the Out of Practice Podcast was brought to you by generous donations from our founding sponsors, Jorge Novoa, Jennifer Masanova, Leanne Wrights, and Cloud Lover69. If you would like to join them, you can do so by clicking in the show notes, which apparently I have a lot to put in this week. I will forget. You do. But uh, some research Jorge did, some other stuff Jorge wants us to do. <laughs> uh, stuff. Uh, you can also click on the links in those show notes to send us some money, one-time contribution. Or you know what? Save that money and go ahead and donate it to a proper cause. If I happen to go into labor right now and I split open the seams of my junk... Go ahead and cauterize that with some laser sounds. Laser sounds. Keith, go ahead and roll that amazing bumper so we can hear it one last time. Here we go. Let's let's all let's all listen. We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. But after a Super Bowl guest star, you've come charging ah. back for more. So welcome back to the practice We'll pretend that we don't recognize That you were here before in season four And you massachute the scenery First you were a judge who was a bit of a dick Now you are a teacher who's a bit of a dick In silence of the lands you were a bit of a dick In real life I'm sure that you're a really nice guy Welcome back to the Massachusetts, in Massachusetts, 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 the Massachusetts, Massachusetts, Massachusetts. Anthony, I hope you see that someday.